Yo, sponsoring the podcast today are, again, Westway Nissan. Westway Nissan are the UK's biggest Nissan dealership. They've got exclusive deals with Nissan, whereby there are certain makes and models of Nissan vehicles you can only get from Westway Nissan. They've got branches all over the UK, and they also provide up to a 20% discount for service personnel and veterans when you buy a car or when you buy a vehicle from Westway Nissan. They do private and commercial vehicles. They do cars, up to vans. They do all sorts of stuff you can get your hands on there. Uh, in addition, this month, for the new year, they've got a sales event on. You can save up to £10,780 on the cost of a new vehicle. They've also got some special offers on for the new Micra, uh, £169 a month. The new Nissan Duke Bose, special edition, from £261 a month. And the new Qashqai, from £298 per month, all with 0% APR representative. Westway Nissan Dakota UK to find them online where you can go and find a dealership you want to go and visit. You're best off going into dealerships. They're really nice places. And uh, a lot of the time when you speak to one of the sales ramps, they tend to chuck in some add-ons and you go and buy them from them. Befriend them, get them to chuck some extra stuff in, okay, knock some more cash off. You know what it's like when you go in, you can you can haggle. Um, Westway Nissan Dakota UK to find them online and Westway Nissan on social media. Excellent. Thank you to those guys. Also sponsors today are Rugby for Heroes, a not-for-profit organisation founded by a bunch of keen rugby players at the Old Lemontonians Rugby Football Club. Uh, the organisation is designed to host various fundraising events to raise money for a range of armed forces charities, including 353, Help for Heroes, the Royal British Legion and the Soldiers Charity. They formed in 2009 to commemorate the loss in action of Private Joe Whitaker, who was a four-power soldier, and since then they've raised over £100,000 for their benefit charities. As I said, the founding members are of the old Demontonians RFC, where a lot of the events get held, and they're all massive supporters of the armed forces, obviously, and their families. You can check them out on their website, which is rugbyforheroes.org, rugbyforheroes.org, uh, but on Facebook and Twitter and their Instagram, you can find them at rugby4heroes. They've got a major event coming up, which is the next one. It's the it's a beer and gin festival at the Old Lemontonians Rugby Football Club uh, in Warwickshire, which will be on the weekend of the 10th and 11th of May of this year, 2019. Uh, so thank you to Rugby for Heroes. Huge thank you. Lastly, sponsoring us today, Team Rubicon. Team, Team Rubicon are a disaster response charity formed of predominantly ex-military volunteers known as Grey Shirts. Uh, those volunteers obviously earned their spurs in hostile character testing environments so you know their stuff they're really good on the ground like that um they are one team with a bias for action creating order in the wake of destruction they've been out in palu indonesia uh, since the tsunami out there months ago um helping out the, the people out there thousands of people unaccounted for at least 2,000 dead and 83,000 people displaced but just recently as you're probably aware they've deployed more people out to Indonesia because of the additional tsunami that struck the Sunda Strait. Um, they deployed immediately out there, asked to go out by the Indonesian government, um, one of the few NGOs that were asked to go out. So they sent a dedicated team. Uh, they had the kit pack, the mission-specific briefing done ASAP, and the team flew on Christmas Day. That team selflessly cancelled their plan, their own plans to spend at home for Christmas to go out and help these people in Indonesia who were in dire, dire straits. Um, Team Rubicon can only stay out there helping people as long as their funding allows. So if you're able to assist Team Rubicon with funding, you can go to teamrubiconuk.org 
forward slash donate. But also, if you want to volunteer to become a grey shirt and go through all the training with you, we can and deploy when you can to go and help out people in 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 their time of need, overseas and in the UK, then you can do that at teamrubiconuk.org. I volunteered myself to go, to um, to be a grey shirt and I'm going through the training now. A few online courses and then I've got to go down and do um, an in-person training course with Team Rubicon. I've got to, got to book it in when an availability comes up. So if you can donate, do so. If you can volunteer, do so. An awesome organisation doing awesome things and helping the military um, reintegrate back into uh, civilian life after the military career. That is it. On to the podcast today. My guest is Brian Tuff, QGM, a very, very distinguished uh, former member of UK Special Forces, serving back in the seventies, um, old school. Uh, one of the one of the pioneering members back then um, of of yeah of the organisation that going back then in the seventies, predominantly in Northern Ireland, and. Uh, yeah, God, he got out and did lots of things which he talked about. He was a commercial pilot. Uh, he was a fireman. Um, he's a member of Mensa. Uh, and he s- established a, a very successful close protection training company, surveillance training company, and an, an operational company as well called Argus Europe. I was actually very surprised he said yes to coming on. Uh, super intelligent individual uh, who very much um, has kept himself to himself since he got out. Uh, but we had... A really interesting conversation, which well and truly went round the houses. Learned quite a few things. So, enjoy the podcast. Brian Tuff, HR. Talking off air, Brian. In fact, Brian Tuff. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, give, give me, uh, not me. Yeah. Give listeners, viewers, a, a a brief background on yourself. We'll probably come on to it more on the podcast anyway, yeah. but yeah. as a, by way of introduction, if uh, you don't mind. Just a quick lad, John the military in uh, nineteen seventy four. In them days, it was a case of the judge saying to me, "You're going in the army, or you're going to jail." So I decided to go in the army. Probably the best move I ever made. I was in there three year in the Royal Signals. I decided to go for Special Forces Selection, which I did in November of 77. Uh, eventually leaving the military in 85. I was awarded the mention in dispatches in 1980 and the Queen's Gallantry Medal in 1985. That's it up to now, when I run a close protection training firm. Argus Europe? Yeah, Argus Europe Limited, yeah. Cool. Definitely come on to that. Obviously, my own experience with it. Yeah. Um, right. You're obviously fucking old school. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> So, given given that your background, and uh, I know you have some strong strong uh, strong opinions on on certain things, many different things actually. Yeah, you're really a fucking strong character, mate. Uh, the latest British Army recruitment campaign targeting mm. in inverted commas snowflakes. I don't have a problem with anybody joining the military. Uh, I don't care what colour hair they've got. I don't care if they're gay. What I care about if they really slack standards to get some people through. That will not benefit anybody. It will lower the whole system, the whole ethos of the British Army, which, as I firmly believe, like I would say, is the best in the world, individually, man for man, woman for woman as well. Uh, we've got some great women in the military. I don't agree with from, uh, women being on the front line in the military. They are physiologically different. 
They can't carry the weight we can carry. They don't have natural aggression in them, I believe, on the most cases, that we do. And I personally think it would affect frontline troops if you have a woman go down to you shot crying. I don't think that's on. If that's offensive, well, that's the truth. And if mm. people find the truth offensive, that's their problem. There's too much PC ruling everything in this country today. Yeah, I, I, I agree with a lot of that. Um, I, <clears throat> I think I held the same opinion as you for a while. We regard talking about females on the front line now. Yeah. Um, no, I'll rephrase that. Females in infantry units. Okay? Yeah. Because uh, obviously females have been on the front line for, for a while in different parts of medics course. and different yeah. parts of groups and that, right? And cutting the mustard. Mm-hmm. Um, infantry is a different kettle of fish. Uh, the only, and I've talked about this a few times and thought about it in depth, talked to different people for lengths of time about it. I thought about it myself a few times. And my now my only argument is, it, assuming that assuming that uh, females would have to meet the same standards as our current physical standards, yeah. fitness standards, strength and all the rest of it, because those are there for a reason, because... You know, you, you carry 35 pounds on your, on your tabs or your onboard, whatever you call it, because that's in line with the kind of weight you'd carry at the battle and because of the ammunition yeah. scale, blah, blah, blah. The physical tests are there, not because that's what men can achieve, that's because what needed to achieve, right? So assuming that they have to meet the same targets as men, that's fine. But the one thing you brought up there was the yeah. only thing I can see with, which is the issue is the intrinsic aggression to... T- testosterone levels it, the men have different to women there's a you know the psychology and, and the mental state you have to be in to close it and kill the enemy okay and, yeah. and men naturally will flick into that because we are the aggressive sex yeah and that's we have to be the, we're the people who you know we're the guys who flip and kept the family alive and while the, while the, uh, while pe- the people are trying to go against thousands and millions of years potentially of evolution we evolved different I've always had the greatest regard for the MI9 people in the uh, Second World War, the females. Not one of them apparently cracked under torture. MI9? Yeah. Go on. It used to be the SOE, oh, Special okay, Operator yeah, Executive, yeah. where they'd parachute behind the lines and, um, and work there. And uh, beautiful females. You, you've got all the medics. You've got the... Um, I forget the name of that lady that just died from the First World War, a, a nurse who was executed uh, by the Germans. So I've got nothing but regard for the female of the species at all. They can do fantastic, they can do fighter pilots. But when it comes to the physical structure of a man and a woman, we are different. Anybody says different is wrong. We can physically do things. It's quite simple. Who holds the world marathon record? Who holds the world's strongest person record? It's different. Uh, they have many good attributes, and so do we. And we've got to define What's the best for the British Army in each particular role? Do you think that... Um, I agree. Do you, do you, do you think that... It, in fact, women are allowed on infantry roles now, aren't they? They are yeah. allowed, aren't they? Right. So do you think that uh, through... So again, assuming all, they have to meet all the standards that currently have to be met, that men start, which I think is the case, do you think that through conditioning, mental conditioning, as blokes go through in the infantry, as any soldier go through, or any, anyone any part of the armed services, do you think through conditioning... Um, that uh, females who would maybe lack that ability to switch on the aggression needed to go in closer to kill. Do you think that through conditioning that could be achieved, and and the impact that you're suggesting would yeah. be they have a, a, of having females in their infantry roles, that the impact can be minimised to a level where it's sort of negligible or not? I personally don't believe so. Um, 
women are natural carers. Who knows why they have the babies? I don't know that. Um, I'm only a human. <laughs> but um, I do feel that on the front line, if a woman goes down, hit, a man might alter his normal SOPs to go and help her when he might be wanting to get through the firefight and then recovering the situation. I can't imagine, you know, your mate goes down, we don't like it, but you know somebody's come and going back for him. If a female goes down crying, I don't know how I'd yeah, react I'm if not, I was I'm, there again. I'm not sure on that one, uh, mm. because blokes do that for blokes. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's one of those, it's slack, slack drills. I think it's, and yeah. if you're, you're you, you know, you're, you're muckers, you've got a, a best mucker G who's just been shot next to you and the battle's continuing. Unless you're in a certain mindset, it's a struggle to step away from and carry on. Anyway, it's, yeah. It's, yeah right. um, there's, I, a, there's I, a million classics yeah. out of that. I just feel inherently um, our need to protect the female is inherent in our genes. And I think that's stronger than the male want to help the male in a lot of circumstances, mm. not all circumstances, obviously. Um, you know, you, you know what it's like <laughs> when you're in the battlefield, you fight for your mates and then your family and the rest follows on after all that. Mm. It's as simple as that in my head. It might not be everybody's opinion, it certainly is mine. Well, I think there's a lot of people's opinion. It's a bit, it's a bit of a no. I'm, I'm undecided, I'm undecided. Mm. I, I, I'm not sure on, on how big the impact will be or going to be. I mean, the thing is as well, it's not just... The impact is not just on that side of things. The, the potential impact is not negative impact. It's not just on that side of battlefield side of things. Yeah. It's... Um, it's in the prep. It's the fact that so in you know in barracks around the country at the minute, yeah, it, what one of the big things about the infantry and between is that masculinity and that cohesion, muckers muckers all in the room together, all yep. you know, and doing socialising, you know, from being in the showers and going off at each other to flipping all that male, you know, yeah, I mean, told you right, yeah, you, you you put women in those barracks. You have to segregate them because you just do. Because men and women don't mix that well all the time, twenty four seven, and things don't go fucking pear shaped, right? Yeah. But then there's that segregation, which 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 uh, reduces that cohesion, reduces that camaraderie amongst you because you're not around each other twenty four seven as much as you would, as much as that unit would have been if it's all just men or even all just women, you know. Um, and that then, in my eyes, mm. impacts the capability of a fighting unit as well. Yeah, there's there's a little sort of <laughs> bit of a funny little difference here, but um, you know, if two of us are out on the ground in an OP, watching whoever, we hold the cling film for each other without going into too many details. <laughs> Would you be in a bush holding the cling film for a female? <laughs> Them little minor differences might make a lot, but I think the core is, I haven't got a problem with a female passing a selection as long as it's not watered down at all in a, any way to get numbers through. Mm-hmm. I've been there when they started to put numbers through. And I'm not a good friend of mine, but a friend of mine got killed on day one on the ground in a terrorist location because they were trying to put numbers through. We can't have it. I would rather work with five men on an operation than ten men, knowing them five men deserved to get through that selection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Um just one of those. It's fucking unknown. It's just an unknown. It, it, yeah. You're not going to know the negative impact until it's fucking happened, and it's got too late. You know, or I hope this. I I do generally hope mm-hmm. that um we're wrong. Yeah. All right. Uh, and that, <coughs> and then it, it it actually works in a way that doesn't you know impact mm-hmm. the the capability of the British Army because 
if it works, then it doubles the recruitment pool that the infantry have. Because you can recruit, yeah. you know, you can still, it's, you've got all the women now. You know, so I do hope it works. I do, I do hope it works. Well, you know? um, through the years, my personal opinion is, they pay too many people off in redundancies and then try to recruit again. And they've always left a void of ill-trained, inexperienced people. Where and I know because we're training a lot of ex-soldiers, soldiers that's leaving, policemen that's leaving, police women that's leaving, female um, military people that's leaving, because they're watching the standards go down. Mm. Unless somebody gets a grip of it, big style, quickly, we're not going to have the same military capability and the same standard of army personnel that we've had in the past. Th- throughout your time since the 70s when you joined up, yeah, is it... Is this a sort of recurring theme, peaks and troughs of uh, retention problems, recruitment problems, and then you know you max out and actually the army's doing well at the standard they want to be at, as in numbers, and down, up and down, up and down, or is this sort of a, a crisis that you haven't experienced? To before? me, it's always been up and down, up yeah. and down. Nobody seems to have a sort of balanced grip. You get a new commander, uh, commander land force, for example, uh, running the military, who's a friend of somebody that wants to cut defence cuts and is a friend of somebody that's PC orientated. Wrongly, not all the time, but wrongly, and it influences on them. You can see it happening. And I think they should be concentrating a lot more as well. Um, I don't know if this is part of the subject, on veterans, you know, because we just get kicked around here. Uh, I'm not going to go into specifics, but I'm still waiting for details of where I might have to go to court from over 30 years ago. Why haven't they stamped that on the head? Hmm. You want a level playing field? I'm all for that. Um, Give people a letter to say, you were a murderer, now you're okay? No, I'm not happy with that at all. Mm. There's not one person from the Omar bombing slaughtering them kiddies that is getting done or being searched for. Mm. That is repulsive to me. Yeah, I agree. There's a, there's a, there's a unit I know of, um, a regular unit I know of, and uh, again, we're talking, we're looking back at the 80s now, I think, 80s, early 90s, an incident there, which a bunch of people got killed, including... British soldiers and including Irish civilians, right? Yeah. Um, and six hundred odd have received a letter through the post from uh, oh, I won't say it's from. It's an official, official, you know, it's an official letter. Yeah. Saying um, date. Uh, were, were you? What were you doing that date? We, we, you know, were you there? And they're trying to get information from flipping seventies, eighties. You know, yeah. it's just it's it, 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 it's madness. It's mad. It's yeah. It's, it's fucking madness, mate. If peace is peace. Like I say, clear the living field, let's just get on with it. We're all the same race of people, the Irish, the Northern Irish, the Britons. We're all Britons. We're all a particular strange set of people <clears throat> from these bunch of islands. I call the British Isles encompasses all. We're nice people, we're fair people, mm-hmm. but we don't like being pushed around too much. Mm-hmm. And it gets to the point where, and I think, you know, the media doesn't report really what's happening because I think they're scared of what the undertow is happening. And the normal man on the street knows what's happening. We're just about sick of being pushed around. Uh, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Elaborate on that, please. Uh, what I mean is, I'm a veteran. There's veterans living rough on the street. Now, <coughs> I'm all for fair immigration. I don't have a problem. None of us are racists that I serve with. We all serve with coloured guys, Fijian guys, right across the spectrum. A man's a man, a good man's a good man. Simple as that. But why is somebody getting off a boat and getting all these benefits when our kids, our ex-soldiers and all the rest are sleeping rough on the street. It's obscene. And I would suggest if there was a majority vote, we would waltz it with who should get the priority. 
for these facilities. Simple as. I, I, yeah, how would you? How would you? I mean, the migrant, the migrant thing is massively new as, as well at the minute. How would you? I, I don't see. How you can, I don't see how you can stem. Well, there's two things there, isn't it? Is one is you've got the migrant influx problem. If if it's as bad as the media says it is, if yeah. I I don't that probably isn't, but I, it's as bad as they say it is. And then you got the size to like you're saying prioritizing. Um, the uh, and, and in fact the prioritizing not prioritizing, well yeah prioritizing mm. the veterans over above non-British folk. You know I think is a fair shout. Yeah, but um, but part of the problem with that is. Uh, in, in implementing that, that sort of prioritisation is uh, getting all getting all the organisations involved with supporting veterans now is sort of all singing off the same song sheet and, and communicating. Uh, I spoke I, I spoke to a lady called Kate England who she's the wife of a guy who uh, ex military guy who suffers with acute PTSD. Really, I, I met him. It's, mm. it's acute PTSD. You know, yeah, I say it. Um, and she, when we were talking about things, she she mentioned what the U, the USA have, and they have I think it's called the Veterans Association, yeah, which is like an over. Are you aware of it? Yeah, yeah, I okay, am. right. So yeah. I wasn't aware of it. And, and mm. correct me if I'm wrong. It's an overarching organisation that sort of it it, it um, what's the word? It's a central point of contact and controlling direction for the myriad of vets, veteran supporting organizations and charities in the USA. Yeah. So they yeah, organize things. In, 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 is that correct? Yeah. I mean, they look after their veterans a lot more than I was. It's not so long back in, in my time period where you were still thought as a second-class citizen when you left the army. And you felt that you weren't sort of worthy of mixing, um, which is a bit funny when I reflect back now. Um, because the day I left, I was panicking that I wouldn't fit into Civvy Street. I wasn't good enough. Two days later, I thought, what on earth was I worried about? The standards out here aren't as high as the standards I've just left. Uh, and I used to fly commercially. I used to be a firefighter. I've done across quite a spectrum since I left the military uh, of hard courses, which I like doing, because if you can't test yourself, you don't know how good you're going to be in circumstances. Um, but I do feel there's a genuine need for the truth because people don't like the truth. Sometimes the truth's offensive to people. Well, so what? Sometimes you want to offend people by telling them the truth. It's a simple equation. If people are frightened of the truth, well, where are they going to hide their heads? Because the truth is out there. And uh, like I've said, the media are keeping it suppressed about what the real feeling of these people in this country are. Mm. Um, to do with the military, to do with lots of other things, to do with... The NHS, well, of course, 300,000 people a year coming in from other countries are going to have the NHS under tremendous strain. That's obvious. And, you know, the reality is any migrant that hits the first safe country should be residing there. Yeah, but, but, well, I, I think part of the problem with that is, in a minute, is flipping dirty games going on in Europe. Where I I can't imagine. So those migrants are coming through. I mean, part of the argument in the news the other day was uh, one of the MPs came out and said, "But they're not coming here from a dangerous country. They're coming here from France. Yeah. You know, uh, so it's not they're not they're not coming from a dangerous place. They they should go there. But I can't imagine because it benefits Europe at the moment to to give Britain problems given the Brexit of thing course. going on. Right? I can't imagine that France are doing a whole lot to stop the migrants getting to 
Calais. <laughs> none of them are. <laughs> no. None of them are. Because I think there's only us, the French, and I think the Swedes, that give these people benefits. So why are they not going to come here? <laughs> you know, they're travelling across, across a continent to get to a boat to cross the English Channel now. And yeah. what we're going to do? Pick them all up and serve them. And that's going to lead to a massive influx. What, what's the alternative, though? The alternative is um, we don't let them leave their land. We turn them back to their land. You know, how many, how many Muslim countries are taking them in? Yeah. How many Saudi taking in? Yeah. Hey? No, Just uh, yeah, completely, yeah. utterly tribal. Yeah. That's what it is. I mean, at the point that they get to our border, yeah, or you pick up in the ocean, or they land on flipping the White Cliffs of Dover, <laughs> or whatever, yeah. right? at that point, what's, what's the alternative to taking them in? Because if we're going to send them back, one, you, it's hard to tell where the bloody hell they come from, Iran, Iraq, Syria, where, you know, wherever. Yeah. Um, and so, so, yeah, so that's what I mean. What, what, practically, what's the alternative? I, I, I can't see how it well, can be I, fixed. You know, I, I, I can't, for the life of me, think there isn't a radar system which could detect these boats leaving France. I don't think for a second the French Navy would not be capable of being able to stop them going very far offshore and returning them. Mm. It's like the old saying, once the word gets round, you're not going to come here, pal, then they're not going to come here. Simple as. They mm. don't go to Poland anymore. They're not allowed in. Japan won't let them in. You know, these people look after their own, indi own indigenous people first, and I don't have a problem looking after my tribe first. We're nice people. A lot of our lives have been put, and a lot of our mates have died protecting these innocent people. We would always protect an innocent person. But it's got to stop from the top. We mm -hmm. ain't got the landmass to take a lot more people in. Mm -hmm. Simple. What did Australia do? They turn away, but they put them onto islands, don't they? To, and hold, they have whole processing camps, don't they? Yep. Where they basically just, they just fucking leave them there for a long time. So is Dane, or Denmark as well. That's going to be happening. Oh, they know? do it there, do they? I firmly believe that's just about to be put on, on now. Yeah, put them on an island and segregate them. You know? For processing or? For processing and then returning. Returning. Yeah, yeah, I suppose because that's also a deterrent, then, isn't it? Because I've heard those like Australia. I've heard, I've heard that's G for S a man in a couple of those islands. I'm, yeah, maybe incorrect. Yeah, I've, I've, heard, I've heard that. Pretty I've heard fucking that. Atrocious conditions on it, like because they just leave them run themselves. They keep yeah. them in. All the all the Australian authorities seem to be doing is just keep them keep them on the island. But what happens on the island is. Pff, that's down to you. Well, <laughs> I'm sure one Australian bishop or some rank equivalent has just been on very recently and said, we are not endorsing a 7th century religionist country. If you don't like it, get out. What's the problem? I've worked in Saudi. When I went to Saudi, I learned some Arabic language. I learned their customs. I was in their country as their guest working. Yes, I'm going to do what they say. It's their place. It's their customs, their traditions. I will adhere to that. I will not set a little Christian ghetto up somewhere in the church. No, I live by their rules, their country. Simple formula to me. Well, Respect the people you're going to live with. The repercussions are blatant if you don't... But you know. they've also made massive mistakes, haven't they, by having them in one great big lumps. You know, the second biggest... The third, Birmingham, Leeds, I believe, and London have three Muslim mayors in. I've got nothing against Muslim... My daughter's got a child by a Muslim, and uh, he's my grandson, and he's a decent chap. But not all of them are. Some of them are here for definite, specific reasons. To create mayhem, create ghettos, and eventually uh, outpopulate us. 
Yeah, I, I think that's something that's overlooked by um, by the like general general civ pop general general civilian population in the UK. I think is yeah they look at it like uh, I, I'm like you, mate. I yeah. ain't. I'm not racist. I'm accommodating. I'm the same yeah. as you go abroad. I mean, you I love learning other people's language. I love learning yeah. the culture, and I love living the way they do because. Well, I don't know. I mean, just fucking do, you know. Um, and it's the right thing to do. You know, you, like you say, you're a guest there. You're yeah. a guest there, right? Um, but part of the benefit I've had and you have had in going away and working some of these places where 99.99999% of the UK have not been and worked is you, mm. if you've worked there for long enough in whatever capacity, you realise that there's a difference in culture which is so, so vast and when I say culture, we're talking about the culture in terms of physically, environmentally, the way they live, but yep. also the culture of their mind, the culture of their mind. And when you bring an Iraqi, for example, yeah. you know, I work with a lot of good Iraqis, I've worked out there for a long time, got to assure them. But when you bring an Iraqi, for example, into the UK or into any Western uh, Christian-based society, yeah. the culture shock to them it's fucking unbelievable, okay? And they, to, to integrate, they, it's very difficult to do. Individually, it's easier. But like you said, when you mm. get big pockets of whatever culture, whatever denomination, if it's vastly different from Western Christian-based society, you have huge, huge problems, especially when it's based on things like, you know, your Sharia law, yeah. um, Islam, you know, is, is obviously the blatant one. Which 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 causes the biggest differences, but people don't see that. Yeah, cultural difference. Actually, it's a fucking nightmare because, by definition, the the, the people we're talking about they come from countries which are very 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 deprived, and with a lot of deprivation comes a lot of crime. My experience, and I'll go back to Iraq again, which is where most of my experiences in terms of day to day interacting with the population. Obviously, Afghan was a slightly different kettle of fish to that, but my experience in Iraq and Iraqi people was. So generous, so nice to talk to one on one. Of course, they'll tell anything. Yeah. They'll tell you anything yeah. they want to hear. But when you, one of the things is they, if you ask them a question, they will always answer what they think you want to hear, mm. whether that's the right answer or not. So half the time you get lies, half the time you don't. They don't mean to be a fucking liar. That's yeah. the culture, right? Now try bringing that person over to the UK. Where in the UK you assume everyone's telling the truth. They're going to tell you what you want to hear. It's very difficult to understand that. But you get a lot of crime. If you're in a country that gets a lot of crime, very deprived, you become very, very, very short-sighted and you assume everyone else is dishonest, is as dishonest as what you are. So you trust no one and you flipping rob everything. Again, this isn't because these people are bad people. Mm. I'm not saying that. They are good people. But the culture they're in and, they, and, they, and they've grown up in and, and of the way they've evolved, in general, if you go, okay, let's compare that country to this country... Well, that's a fucking bad country. <coughs> they're not bad people. Just the way they're involved, like you were saying. Well, it's a part the, the the temperature, the climate, the temperate climate, you know. This whole country, our country, is self-sufficient in lots of things. <coughs> but if you live in a desert, you've got to feed your family. It's the same as the porches, in a way. I dis, have a lot of disdain and disgust for porches, but if their only ultimate to feed their family is that, we need to do something different. We need to get them to grow things. We need to get them to watch for porches. We need to feed these people. But it all boils down to the corporates, doesn't it? Mm. The Rothschilds run the world. Go against them. And uh, you've got no chance. Mm. So it's all about corporate power. They're not bothered about the normal human being, the normal man on the street. They don't care. 
No, no, yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I, have you seen uh, that the film Zeitgeist? No. Oh, no. Brian Tuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's a film by a couple of guys. Um, I remember watching this. I think it was my the second time I went out on the Afghan tour. The second time I went to Afghan, and with the military, and yeah. uh, we were based out of Kandahar. We were doing strike ops out of Kandahar, so we got four or five days trying to go, go get HVT, and then we come yeah. back in. <clears throat> we have like a day or so in camp. Nice like Kandahar, mate. What a, what a mean American base, flipping green bean coffee, Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> Mental, right? And then you go out and you've been the Ulu trying to track down some flipping. Any veggie burgers? Uh, <laughs> no veggie burgers, mate. And uh, I, I bought a TV in camp from somewhere. I strung it up inside a tent and I had all the half a platoon, half the snipers in there. And um, someone had Zeitgeist, they put it on. Anyway, long story short, one of the lads gets up, got mate of mine. Goes to go to the uh, shower. He's in his towel. If I just put Zeitgeist on. I hadn't seen mm. it before. An hour and a half later, he still stood there in his towel, looking at the TV, like mouth agape, and everyone's. He hadn't moved. He hadn't moved. It was just shocking. It's all about. It's like four chapters to it. Uh, the first chapter is religion, and, yeah. how, and it, it's about uh, how these two guys are suggesting. They're not saying this is fact. They're suggesting. Uh, if you look at religion in this way, you will see that all the religions that we have from all of the religions, they all in, they all come up with the same fucking thing, basically. It's all very, very similar. And so they all stem from the same kind of stuff. There's nothing different. It's bollocks, right? Yeah. The, the, you know, the second part is about conspiracies, 9-11, uh, 7-7. Uh, no, it's, yeah, 7-7 damned. Um, and Vietnam and how... Like last word comes up with you mentioned the Rothschilds, how these things, a lot of them have been engineered into to these conflicts that happen because what they generate? Generate fucking cash. You know, they generate cash in one way, of shape, or form, yeah. you know, to benefit the corporates, not the people, not the governments. Mate, how the, how the fucking hell? This is what? Yeah. Uh, banks control it all. Of course. But the Rothschilds I, I, control the banks. It's, it's madness. It's ma- I mean, one of the one of the things is a second like I said. One of the things in there is that there's a there's an economist comes on, and he said, he said, the the world's in debt. He said it is impossible. It is impossible to get out of debt. It's impossible because let's take it in, in, from a baseline. All right, let's say money has just started. The only place you can get money is from the bank. Yeah. So the government, because they want to issue money to the people. Go to the bank and say, we would like a million pounds, please, to shoot the people, right? The bank says, yeah, it's fine. You've got to pay it back at, uh, I don't know, fucking 10% interest, right? So one million pounds goes into the economy. But in order to pay that back, you need 1.1 million pounds. Yep. How did you get the extra 0.1? Because it's not in the economy. You borrow from the bank. You borrow from the bank at interest. So you borrow your point one, yes, that's at ten percent. So you need, it's it's in, so it's impossible so to pay your debt off. You've got to borrow from the people who create the debt. You know that, and that's baseline what it is. And when you realise that, it's like fucking hell, what? It's madness. I think when you also realise there's not such a thing as money anywhere. It all comes from the earth. It's just different converted energy. There's enough on this planet. Did you know I worked out the other day? You can get check these figures out. Three times the world population which is about 22.5 billion, standing shoulder to shoulder in the county of Durham, and you'll have 30% of county Durham left. What? Right. Say so, it again. 
It's basically 22.5 billion square feet. Convert that into square miles. Right. County Durham's about 260 square mile, where we are at the moment. Yeah. You would have a third of County Durham left, and the rest of the world's population would be in the other two-thirds. The whole, if this is shoulder to shoulder. The whole shoulder to shoulder. And we've decimated this beautiful place we're living on in a very short space of time. Mm. So the money thing, the food thing, it's all there. It all comes from the earth. You sit on the beach, you pick some sand up. It's all come from that. There's nothing magic going on anywhere. It's just those controlling the control and the corporates, which is sad. How would you, um, if we went and lived in the perfect world and you thought, okay, equal distribution of food and what? I mean, we're we're in a... UK, we're in a privileged spot in terms of yeah. that kind of thing, food and what, and what we can grow. You know, and if we said hypothetically, okay, let, well, let, we can grow, you know, if we screw the nut, well, we can produce more than what we need as a nation and we should fire some off to countries that can't or need it. You know, that yeah. sort of a distributed sort of wealth kind of thing, but wealth, not just money, and, you know, in, in, in qualities and food. But well, yeah. how, how, how would you do that? I don't know. Well, because of the tribalism that you go back to. It's too late. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm yeah, a pessimist. Yeah. It's too late. Mm-hmm. We've gone too far. Mm-hmm. I personally think we were put here anyway because we're a, a bacteria. We've been kicked off other planets for more than one logic reason I've been reading into. And uh, we've just been kicked out the way because we spoil everything that we go to. Certain things like our bodies aren't really exactly fit for this gravity. Why do we have to squint at the sun when we should have a third eyelid like every other animal does? There's lots of factors involved and if you ever have a look at a, a website called gaia.com g-a-i-a.com there's lots of things in, involved here which is beyond our scope i've not like, i've seen belief. i've heard of it yeah. I'm not there. right hang on so every other animal has got a third eyelid a mammal no no virtually every other animal can adapt to the sun if you check the dna of an octopus or a squid they're not from this planet but but they've been around for for a lot, lot longer than what we have. We don't know that. I mean, they've just two days ago suggested that uh, humans didn't come from the Rift Valley 100,000 years ago. South Africa, right? Yeah. yeah. They well, found scrolls saying a quarter of a million years ago. So they don't know. They're all guessing. You know? And it's wonderful because we don't know. <laughs> what else leads you to, to think of the, to maybe it's a possibility that we came from another, another world? Well, you've got the Chinese have dropped something on the dark side of the moon the other day, a yep. little ship. We can never see the dark side of the moon because of a coincidence. The moon always faces us in the same way. The moon is one four hundredth from <clears> the sun. The moon is one four hundredth the size of the sun. So when there's an eclipse, it's perfect. I don't believe in coincidences, I'm afraid. I believe it was put there. We mm. were put there. If anybody thinks... This is funny. Well, you can think it's funny, but um, we can only think in human capacity. No, no, mate. I, 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 you know, no, I don't think it's funny. Mate. It fascinates me. I, the, uh, you know, the whole possibilities. Mm. But the, the, I have, I, I have seen, read it, and heard it suggested several times that um, that uh, octopus are not of this earth. And there's an, an, uh, again, like what you're saying with with us, with humans, there's there's a, a lot of like valid reasons. Going, you fucking hell, I can't pull up top of my head now. Yeah. But I tell you what else I've heard. Uh, I've heard. I heard, I heard it in the block. Uh, <laughs> in the end of the block. Um, I I saw it on a, on a TV program and it was a BBC program called 
I think it's called uh, the, the the Incredible Journey of Man or Man's Incredible Journey. Mm. I think it was a BBC three or four partner, and it's all about it's this a uh, female uh, paleo no archaeologist paleontologist whatever who on the series she tracks the birth of man. Ah no, she, she go, she's not Homo sapiens. She goes from Homo erectus, yeah, the birth of Homo erectus in that valley, and then and tracks no Homo erectus and Homo sapiens basically tracks man from. As popping out of the ocean or wherever we came out of, right? And then all the way through and how we distribute ourselves across the world. You know, how do we get to Australia? You know, how do we get to this, that, and the other? She looks at it all. And one of the things that comes out in, two things that comes out in that. One, we genocidal motherfuckers. We wiped out Homo erectus. We, you know, yeah. they've, they've pinpointed the last, we're probably the last group of them were in a cave off the coast of, I think it's Croatia. And they were like, yeah. probably the last lot. And we just went in and, you know, just, just topped them. <laughs> Well, and then sh- go on. You know, I mean, people can might think this sounds strange, but how does a black person change into a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Scandinavian by evolution? I don't believe it, and vice versa the other way around. Uh, no, if you no. how does that happen? Look, right, if you move to if you move to Africa, it's just melanin. It's just the melanin in the skin. If you move to Africa, right? Move, if you move to Africa and yeah. you had offspring in Africa and your family moved to Africa, mate, in flipping, I would argue that. You know, Probably less than a thousand years time, your descendants gonna be black. Well, because you—that's not gonna happen anywhere. But <laughs> I don't agree. <laughs> no, no, no. I think we're just—we've been put on here. We're different species. It's been physiologically proved the heart is slightly different. Between what, black and white? Yes. But where's it? Uh, how? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hang on. Well, so, but where's it? No, no, no yeah. just bear with me. So, define black. Uh, I would say a normal guy from the middle of Africa. So African descent? Yeah, that's where they say the origin of their species comes from, the Rift Valley in uh, Kenya or Ethiopia. I can't remember which one. I think it was Kenya. And we've all come from that lot. No, we haven't. We've been distributed around the planet for different reasons, different breeds, different tribes, different what have you. Nah. You don't believe it? No, it's much like a slight diversification, but um, this evolution thing, I don't believe it at all. You know, you've got a lungfish swimming around in the sea, eh? being happy with itself, plenty to eat, and then it wants to go on land. Oh, I know, I'll take a few gulps of air now and again, I'll grow lungs. I'm sorry, no, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) We're all getting conned here. So what about Darwin? You don't believe in Darwin? I don't believe in Darwin. Fucking no. hell, I was not expecting this line of conversation, Bray. Uh, that surprised surprises me. That's, uh, really? I, I'm... That's just a bit like religion isn't like the Ark, you know. Can you tell me why two polar bears and two penguins yeah. <laughs> swam the oceans away from the lovely place we were living together in an Ark to save them from a flood? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the same as the evolution, That's man. <laughs> Um, the Great Pyramid the, of Giza. The, Study that. <coughs> mm, right. right. So, so this, going back, the, the the man's incredible journey, or the incredible journey, of man, which is what it's called. Yeah. That be the other the other thing. So the first the first thing was that uh, yeah the, the I the two things that interested me well loads of it interested me but that stood out to me was we would <laughs> we as in well I say we it depends on the interpretation now doesn't it Homo sapiens were were genocidal right and the second one was that as a group of Pale- it's paleontology, isn't it? The study of human fossils. 
Ah, no, archaeology then. Well, archaeologist buildings. Well, study of humans, evolution, what's that? Yeah, well. All right, so fucking scientists. Human, <laughs> quality <laughs> human evolution, eh? <laughs> right, so there's a group of scientists, who, um, uh, the most prominent outspoken one is a Chinese guy, who, because of the differences in the shape of the skull, mm-hmm. believe that the Chinese are a completely different species to everyone else. I believe them. I do. Yeah. You know, we've all got our opinions, obviously. And uh, one day before long, I hope, I'm going to be sitting on the beach in the cave with my two Irish setters, and I'll see a nice little craft come down <laughs> and start to cleanse <laughs> the place. <laughs> I, uh, well, I used to listen to this, right? Here's a, here's a conspiracy. Not conspiracy. This is genuine. I, 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 re- I, rarely, I rarely tell people this. Although I did post it on Facebook not long after that. I was in Iraq um, in 2012, doing private security. And I was just off the Iranian border, about 400 metres. There was three oil rigs there, land, obviously land-based oil rigs. And the three oil rigs were in about, were Chinese oil rigs, funny enough, and they were within about a couple of K of each other, like in a mm. triangle, almost, a loose triangle. Um, and I was inside, I'd done some fitness, I was in, I was in my room. And another lad, British lad, came in, a guy called Russ Billington, who was also X3 power. And he said, Hugh, Hugh, get out. It was night time. Yeah. Said, Hugh, Hugh, get out. You've got to see this. You've got to see this. I think I did a report or something. Fucking hell. So, go outside, mate. I look up in the sky. And uh, there's a white, there's a white, um, it's like a spotlight. It, yeah. It loosely defined spotlight, right? A white fucking circle in the sky. And it looks like it's shining onto a cloud. So, like a spotlight on the cloud. That was my first thought. That's. Split second, spotlight into a cloud. But there was no noise. Couldn't hear anything. Couldn't hear a helicopter. It looked relatively low level, although in the nighttime, it's very difficult to tell what altitude yeah. someone did. Right? It looked quite low level. And the shape that was, of, that was going on the cloud, the cloud had almost linear features, not like a fucking cloud. And mm-hmm. it, wasn't, it didn't look like a cloud. It looked like dust or whatever. And then everywhere else in the sky was clear. Right? So I'm out there watching. Russ's out there watching. Everyone, all the Iraqi team, are out there watching. The Chinese are out there who've realised are out there. Everyone's up looking at the sky going, what the fuck is that? They're ready, okay? Turns out all the other rigs are watching as well. So it's not just me who saw yeah. this. Yeah. About 140 people saw this. So everyone's watching this thing going, what the fuck? Then it starts oscillating. Okay, this, you can see it spinning. Yeah. And it starts, it goes almost into the shape of a galaxy. So spin off arms, right? Not not a galaxy, just, I'm yeah. just like into that, okay? Spinning around, spinning around, spinning around. So imagine it, from a from a, uh, a, a spotlight, it's a spinning arms of a galaxy is coming off, spinning, 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 and it gets it's getting bigger and bigger, and it's static. The same point in the sky, bright. Yeah. It's not moving, mate. There's no noise. Okay, what I thought was a spot a, a spotlight shine onto a cloud. It wasn't a cloud, and it's it was almost like a shape of dust in the air. That was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Either moving closer or actually getting bigger. The second thing is spinning, 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 spinning. Then it gets a slight blue heat, yeah, and then it just then just sort of just disappears as it gets bigger and sort of gets thinner and thinner and disappears. Yeah. What the fuck, mate? Well, when I was five year old, I used to go out and watch the stars. There wasn't as much ambient street light about. At eleven year old, nineteen sixty five, I saw a UFO as clear as clear can be. It wasn't the sun setting because it was in the east. I used to stargaze every night. I still do. And I've seen things up there. And part of the problems I think that we've got at the moment is the normal kids these days do not connect with reality Mm -hmm. and nature. How many kids go out and watch the stars on a night? 
How many saw the greatest Mickey shower last night that has been for years and years? That is part of the problem, that we're not looking outside our own environment, where reality is in the stars. That's where we come from. Mm-hmm. That's where we'll go back to. Tell me about the UFO. I've just seen it, hovering, hovering. What, what was it? Was it, massive. Like? it was red. It looked like the normal disc. And I just sat and watched it for about 20 minutes. I went back in to tell me mother, I think I was about, I was 11 year old, and when I came back, it had gone. And it just blew me away. I've yeah. been in the sci-fi and the stars since I could walk, basically. That, that, that's what happened with me. I, I, I'm, I, uh, I do think that, like most of the UFO sightings, are all, most of the reported are all bollocks. People are saying, yeah, it's awesome. And, um, but that's not to say, I believe in it. Yes. Yeah. Extraterrestrials. Because balance of probability says there's fucking other things out there, right? It's got to be. Um, You've got to be ignorant not to believe yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I do think the probability of seeing them coming here is really low and seeing one is really low. However, I, when I saw that that night, I literally mm. went about the room. I, like you, I was, I mean, I, mean, I was, what was it, 2012. So I was uh, 31, right? Yeah. 31 year old. I was trying to reason it. I thought, I literally went in my head. I sat at, a, sat at a desk, mate, fucking silent, staring at my laptop in front of me. There was nothing on it. Like, what the fuck? It wasn't a plane. It wasn't a helicopter. It wasn't a fucking spotlight. It, what I thought, well, is it, are they testing some weapon? That, that's <laughs> what I thought. Maybe yeah. over the Iranian Iran Iraq border, but hardly anyone listens and hardly anyone listens to that fucking media anyway. Perfect place to test some dodgy new weapon. Didn't seem like a weapon. Okay, then what the fuck was it, right? Uh, Baffled me. I went on. I went straight online because I had connectivity. Went straight online and I I put in the Google uh, UFO sightings tonight. That's what I put in there. Um, oh, UFO sightings over the Middle East tonight. And um, there had been a sighting two hours before in India uh, of um, a, something racing across the sky. Like, yeah, probably a fucking probably a satellite. Or something, right, racing across the sky. But India's to the east, and this thing had been spotted was going west to east. Looked nothing like what I'd seen. It was probably, in all intents and purposes, a satellite. Like, fuck, that's not it. So I went looking through then old, basically all the UFO footage on news, right? Mm. And I found something which was exactly the same, exactly the same, Bri, uh, yeah. over Norway, reported on major news outlets, because, and it's on camera. It's over Norway, I think it's 1994. The only difference was it, it's greeny blue and it's a lot bigger than mm. what what we saw but over exactly the same mate in 1994 and that's it so I was like that's a fucking UFO that, does that mean it's from another world yeah. no it's a fucking UFO yeah. though I've yeah. never seen anything before anything since completely inexplicable and blew my fucking mind it's good blew stuff my though mind, mate. because yeah. expansion yeah. Back, you know it's, anybody studies a great pyramid of Giza that, w- that was a beacon put there it probably is still transmitting <laughs> Well, I, I was actually looking at something like this recently. I don't know why. I think, I think it's because the pyramids fascinate me. I've not really looked into it much. I don't like to talk about things without mm. having done a little bit of research. It doesn't make me mean I know it all, but it means I fucking, I'm not going to talk too much shit. Well, right? it's aligned north, east, south, west, and it couldn't have been aligned to that perfection without the builders knowing it was on a spherical planet. Because it's, aligned, know that it's aligned true north, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And that, it's a centre yeah. of a landmass. Some people think it represents in the other pyramids the uh, belt of Orion and the sizes to the luminosity in the Nile is the Milky Way. I haven't studied that bit in depth yet, but um, that was one of the books I read of Graham Hancock, who uh, is a superb writer in that sort of uh, field. That's right, because when they were built, but yeah, because when they were built, people didn't know they were, it, was, it was a circle. It was all flat earth stuff. Yeah. And yeah, to get yeah, you're right. Yeah, true, the, yeah, the rumours were yeah. there were slaves, but they weren't. They were artisans, paid very, very well in bread. 
That's what they were paid. Artisans? Yeah. What's an artisan? A, a skilled rock maker, a skilled okay. tool maker, not a slave. Yeah. He obviously had sort of people that were pulling things and all the rest of it, but they reckon some of them blocks, cranes today couldn't lift them. <laughs> so... It's, it's crazy that they can't work out how they, how they did it. There's it's... no hieroglyphics in the Great Pyramid of Giza, and it's built on a factor of 60. Do you know why 60? What do you mean a factor of 60? What do you mean? Measurements, you know, we measure in feet. Yeah. They measure of units of 60, because 60 is the nearest number that can be divided. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 10, 12, 15, 30. You can't get a number that close where then factors can be divided into it. So that aids to making it square and... Different factors of 60, all sort of, um, all joined together mathematically to, to give it the precision it's got. And it used to be covered in white marble. Uh, oh, really? Just, yeah, I think it's a beacon. I think somebody put us here and put that there to say, yep, I've gotten rid of the virus. <laughs> They're on this planet here. Keep away. <laughs> That's me being a bit uh, <laughs> jovial about it, but half sincere. Interesting theory. I've never heard that theory before. Aye. Yeah. What about, do you hold, uh, oh no, you can't do, actually. That's a stupid question. I was going to mention Scientology, but that mentalist wrote that book, didn't he? What's his name? Have a, um, uh, what's his name? Who wrote the Scientology book? Not Hubba? sure. Tom Cruise so, was in that type of stuff, wasn't he? Oh, do you know much about it? No, I don't. Oh, if you uh, want to fucking laugh a minute, yeah. we look at Scientology. So this dude, I can't remember his name, it's, it's might be Dave, David, might be something Hubba. Anyway, he, um, He's he's he holds the record. He's dead now. He holds the record. He's he's written the most fiction ever written by anyone ever in the history of mankind. <laughs> he's written he's written more fiction than anyone else yeah. in history of mankind, right? And then one day he uh, he wrote this other book. I can't remember what it's called, but basically, oh, this is true. And it's Scientology. Uh, it's going to be my religion. And uh, so everything else is bullshit, but this one is true. And uh, it's the belief that uh, we are. An alien life form, and we're 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 thousands and thousands of different parts of uh, different life forms that make up our body, mm-hmm. and we came out of a volcano. We were blown out of a volcano years and millions of years ago, and uh, through Scientology, through your courses, you get to learn the enlightenment and release yourself and go back to the your your, your home your home world. Well, my whole basis of my belief is based on this: <coughs> if people say the Earth was a molten ball of lava. Somebody explained to me how you can evolve a thought process from a molten ball of lava. Was that what it was then, at some point? That's what they reckon the Earth was a molten ball of lava that cooled. Right. Water from comets hit, amino acids started to devolve, and then us as humans have evolved from a molten ball of lava. And I say to people, my kids and stuff, can it, has a thought process got a mass, kids? There. Don't think so, Dad. I said, if it's got no mass, it can exist outside the human form, then can't it? And I don't believe we have memories in our heads anyway. I believe we're just aerials receiving and getting data from somewhere I can't think about in my human capacity at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) So, do you... (laughs) That's the greatest podcast ever. Uh, So, let me... What was I going to say then? So... Going back to uh, you saying that you think that you, you can't get a thought process from a uh, ball of lava. I understand where you, where you come from yeah. on that. So you, you think it's just too improbable that we are you now purely by um, natural design? Oh, yes. 
100%, I 100% agree, believe that. I think there might be just some, some kind of little experiment from somebody or something. But if you... But there's, there's, there's a... Look, I mean, look, there's, how many planets in the solar system? 11? 10? Well, well argue, Mercury, arguing at the minute. Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Saturn, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto. They reckon there's another one outside. And maybe Zeon. Yeah, There's yeah, a new one they found. So all those other planets, they haven't got life on them. Well, we're pretty well, sure. We don't know. We're pretty sure they haven't, right? Yeah. So it, it's more probable. But we're talking it, human life, though. That's the difference, okay. you know? Right, okay. We can only see things through our spectrum of our eyes. We can only think through our sense of speed. If something can move the speed of light, it might be whipping around us now, having a laugh, and we will be looking like static objects. Yeah. But, but, we're, but we're, I mean, the, the evolution of... I see, it doesn't seem... It, it seems improbable to me, okay? Mm. Um, like, fucking hell, you and me sit and you have a conversation, and then you've got ants, and then yeah. you've got mercury with nothing on it, right? But then, in, yeah. but then if you... Um, how, how, to, how can I analogise this? If you... Uh, if you take a, a, a handful of sand, yeah, right, and you got a you got a, a table, and that table in the middle is a pinprick hole, a pinprick hole, mate, wide enough to take one grain of sand, mm-hmm. and you throw that, you throw your hand grain of sand out, okay, the probability that one of those grains of sand is going to go straight down that hole first time, right, yeah, is fucking minimal, but for that one grain of sand that goes down that hole, it's going to fucking hell, it's not going to know. That any of the grains of sand didn't go down there because it's gone down the hole, doesn't doesn't know. Because down the hole, I think it's the chances that are happening are by natural design. Where it's just so there's no way, there's no way. Someone must have someone must have taken me in right over the top of the hole and dropped me down there, dropped me down mm-hmm. there. But in reality, in the grander scheme of things, it, it, it's just it's just the lucky one. Should that be the case for this? I personally don't think so. You know, it's, it's just too improbable to me. It's just like. The four forces of the universe, apparently. Gravity, magnetism, fusion and fission. Nobody can explain gravity. They don't know what it is. And when I sit on the beach watching the tide go out and come in and I'm thinking, what, the moon is pulling all that mass of water? Up and then letting it go. Up and then, why aren't we pulling the moon into the earth? Why isn't it pulling me off? (laughs) Why isn't it pulling other things off? But that's explained through physics, though. Not truly, no. But it's only very recently they've discovered what they call the first gravitational wave coming through space. Go on. Gravity can't, ex- they can't explain gravity in, in detail as to the sun, the moon and the planets. They just can't explain it. They didn't have theories, but it's an unknown force they can't explain. I didn't know that. How can they explain magnetism? <laughs> yeah, but you're yeah. talking low, low, you know, like atom-level physics, mate. Well, my daughter's uh, just getting a first in masters at the University College of London Physics, and um, she's fairly on board with me, I think. Aren't you, she's getting a what a masters in physics. Uh, she's getting a first in a masters in physics at the Is UCL. She? Yeah, and uh, even she doesn't. You know, nobody knows that. We're just touching, scratching the edge, man. There's always a new theory, disbunking the previous theory. I just wish people would just open their minds up and think. We can only think in human capacity. We know nothing. Let's just watch the beautiful place we live in. Let's watch the stars. That's where we come from. We're all part of stardust, nothing else. Mm-hmm. And just appreciate how beautiful our little existence is while we've got it. Who knows what's next? Understanding's part of that, though. Sure. Trying to understand what you can. Yeah. 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 What do you think about... Um, the, 
um, what do you think about moving to other planets, colonisation? What do you think about that? We're not capable of that. I Yet. don't believe it. Yet. Well, I don't think our bodies are capable of uh, travelling very far anywhere. Unless you're going to cyrogenics or something like that, but I don't think that's feasible at all. To where? Deep frozen. So, you know. <laughs> oh, sorry, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, we may not have to go very far. You've got Mars. Yeah, but, you know, we'd have to build things there, colonise them, for what reason? You know? Because we're going to outgrow the planet. There's something not right about this whole situation because 50 years, this June 30th, I believe, when Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, mm-hmm. 50 years and we haven't made progress to go back to the moon on a regular basis. Why? There's not been a need. <sighs> the, only reason China, the only reason China have done it is because they, they're trying to... It's for um, dominance, it's for posturing... It's because... But why are we sending probes out into anywhere? To, to, to learn about what we don't know about. Yeah. Same, the same so reason we got to the bottom of the ocean. I mean, you've got the moon about two forty thousand miles away. If you're doing 10,000 miles, get there in a day. Mm-hmm. Get there in a day. Sit down, analyse everything, see different perspectives, set a telescope up, which can see better, less uh, pollution, like the Hubble. Why aren't they doing it? Because me personally, I think they've been told not to. Keep the fuck away. <laughs> <laughs> that, all right, a practicality is to put the telescope on the moon. You can't, you can't control the position. The moon can control the position. If you, have a, if you have a telescope like the Hubble in space, you can control the position of it in space. If you want to fix on a, a distant object, or constellation, or galaxy, or fucking whatever. Well, mine can. Because <laughs> I just set it on the geostatic stuff. My telescope, the one I've got, I can set it to follow a star. I'm sure they can. Yeah, as long as the stars are within the horizon, uh, within, the, within the viewable sky. Yeah. But well, that's all they would be looking at. But if you have a if you have a if you have a, a telescope in space, as in in an orbit, geostation or not, you can you yeah. can control that telescope. It's not controlled by the, the rotation of the Earth or the Moon. It's, you can keep it pointed on a constellation. It doesn't 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 matter whether that constellation's in yeah. the full view or not. It always will be because the telescope's pointed. I mean, I agree with that. I just think that, you know a telescope was one example of on the Moon. We don't know nothing about it. Why not? Mm. Because because <laughs> I mean, they went to the Moon with the equivalent of a half a mobile phone as a computer system to get them there and back. Yeah, crazy. And they're telling me they can't do it better now. No, no, yeah, I agree with you. I just, I don't think there's been a need at all. I just don't think there's been a need. I mean, um, I, we're going to have to, we're going to have to move off the planet. I think, we're, well, well, having said that, right, having said that, there is a, there is a thought um, amongst like, some brainiacs, some world brainiacs, that, uh, regarding artificial intelligence, uh, Artificial general intelligence, right? Mm. That it, that the progress of artificial general intelligence, moving towards artificial general intelligence, which is different to AI. Like AI is fucking Tesla cars AI, right? But it ain't doesn't think like you and me. So yeah. AGI is is thinking more like human, as in you know you give it a, you give it a baseline knowledge like um, how like we know when we're a baby, right? How to yeah. breathe, you know? Well, how to breathe? That's <laughs> it. That's all we fucking know, right? We know that if we chew our mouth and swallow, you get food and, and drink. Well, that's all we know. Mm-hmm. And then all the rest, you sort of learn yourself as you go on, based on your, on your surroundings. That's AGI. You give it a baseline, yeah. and you let it learn itself. You know? uh, so AI and AGI. They reckon that we're moving that fast towards AGI, although on some stuff I've listened, uh, listened to recently, and then some of them are not quite sure. But something that we're moving that, that fast towards it, that AGI will, will, will solve and will, will be able to solve the problem of for example, climate change and the fact that we're in ever-growing populations, be able to create a solution for that problem 
before it poses a s- serious threat to the human race. Well, I think that solution would be to exterminate half the human race. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a... Or, let's say, cleanse it instead. Yeah, and that's a, that's a, yeah, that's a worry. It's like... Um, the more the work these robots do, the less people have got work, what they're going to be doing, hanging about. Hmm. Well, I mean, if you get a, 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 a if you get a, you get a ro- you know, if you get a, a robot that's able to, I don't know, clean flipping dishes, right? Then they're, they're all those people who are dish, sorry, all those people who are dish dishwashers in the world doesn't mean they're unemployed. What it means, you if you if you if you're able to uh, remove most of those sort of menial, not very. Um, Brain intense, yeah. much brain intensive work. Those people are freed up to go and work on more, more leisure time more, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, not just more leisure time, but more uh, beneficial jobs to to society. We'll create work from. We'll create work from. I think it's a good thing. I, I mean, that, that's the reason this planet's done is because of, uh, like we were saying before, the corporates. But um, I've just uh, two days ago, the Germans have now produced a hydrogen train. Oh, really? Well, when I was a kid at grammar school, eleven year old, we used to break water down into hydrogen and water vapour. They've had that technology for 50-odd years. It's just the oil hasn't run out yet. Mm. Yeah. So I know, I know BP are working yeah. on it, going back to hydrogen engines for vehicles, looking at hydrogen engines for vehicles, no BP are. It's just them being told when to do it. It's as yeah. simple as that. Once the oil starts running out, now you can do it because mm. we now control them resources. Yeah. We've got the sun, we've got the tides, we've got all the energy we need. comes from natural stuff. Mm-hmm. With no need for any diesel and any petrol, there was no need for that. It's, it's a control thing. It was greed. Yeah. Well, the US has started exporting oil now, haven't they? Apparently, started exporting. What were you saying earlier about um, just getting off the subject of uh, extraterrestrials and uh, fat we're aliens, Bry? Mm. <laughs> what were you saying earlier um, about the three point five trillion dollar debt? Yeah, I read something in the Daily Mail. Um, uh, the Daily Mail? Yeah, cheers, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this way you read about the aliens? Yeah, well, I was going to get The Guardian, but um, I decided to get The Daily Mail instead. It was something like the Germans owed us £3.5 trillion debt from the Second World War, which has just been written off for some reason. That was just a little a line I read. I don't read papers mm. in depth. I just scan over them. Mm. Whether it was fake or not, I'm not 100% because you never know these days, do you? Yeah, don't know. I mean, that's part of the problem, flipping media. You've got yeah. no idea what's been thrown at you. I, 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 it breaks me. I mean, uh, it's, it, it, it's like, the, what's the 39 billion that they're on about saving from being, being out of the EU? I, I mean, uh, we just, want I, to, I, just get out. We'll just get out. I've had enough fill well, of all these people. Yeah, I mean, I, I, well, I didn't vote, right? I didn't vote. Uh, because I wasn't sure, I thought, well, I don't know, I don't know enough to, to commit myself to an answer, and uh, so I'm not. So why the fuck should I? Right? And, and I've been, well, I've been slated for that. Which made him vote? You should, you should write, blah 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 blah. Yeah, but I don't know which one. It's and your and, right to decide if they vote or not. Yeah, exactly. Right. So anyway, it happened, and and I and my opinion is, no one knows, no one knows what's going to happen. I actually think that if we were able to run three parallel universes, Brexit, okay, with a deal. Brexit with no deal and remain, right? Those three parallel yeah. things happening. I think the differences between the three of the outcome for the UK would be so negligible that it, it doesn't really fucking make a difference, I think. No, I don't know. It, so you don't know. It's a con. We've got unelected people running, them, running, running our countries and we've had it, you know. What do you mean? A commission. You're a commission who elected them. Oh, the European. They appoint yeah, each yeah, other. Yeah, 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 it's, just, yeah. it's just corrupt. Yeah, yeah, it's like the Soviet yeah. Union was. 
many years ago. To, we're Brits, we're Britons. We can stand on our feet. We always have done. We always will do. Have you read much up on? I haven't. Just so if you haven't, we won't bother talking about it. But on the this. Th- this EU army thing that keeps getting battered about every so often. No, you never know how much of that's false yeah. information and stuff, do you either? You know. Mm. But uh, I can imagine who'll be the first in if there is EU army, probably us as usual, mm. taking the flak to start with. Mm. And uh, without being too derogatory against other countries, certain other countries probably won't get involved, but we'll be part of the EU army anyway. We. Oui. Yeah. <laughs> Je ne parle pas français. <laughs> Pardon moi. <laughs> Can't speak Italian either, but I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when you when when did you get in? Seventy four. Seventy four. Yeah. How can we show a signal? In fact, why did you get in? I'm gonna. No, my older, my fact, older brother no. was in before me. Right. Okay. All ah, right. Okay. So I, I'm gonna go back and ask the question. I haven't yeah. asked the question. I want to ask. So we spoke about at the start this new um, British Army campaign, like yeah. a media campaign, yeah. appealing to snowflakes and you know, like look, appealing to. In inverted commas, weak people, you know, we see someone who does a shit job at a factory, we see, you know, you see that and you think you're crap, we see perseverance and blah, 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 right. Now, um, I've been following a bit of the feedback. Most ex-military mates are like, it's fucking bollocks, it's embarrassing, blah, 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 blah. I, I actually think it's quite a clever campaign. Mm. And I was thinking about it in the car, yeah. Um, I think about myself. You know, wh- what is the harm of trying to recruit Again, in inverted commas, yeah. the snowflakes of the world today, those kind of people who so many of us, when I say as ex-military, especially think fucking, fucking growing up, they, they uh, privileged, not privileged, um, uh, yeah, well, snowflakes, they're flipping, they, they're whinging everything. What, mm-hmm. like, what is the harm in trying to recruit them into the army? Sure, it's going it's to be, it's going to be better. Yes, I don't have a problem with that, like I mentioned earlier, at all. I was a snowflake, mate. Uh, as long it? as. I was weak as fuck. As long as the standards are kept. Yes. That's the important point yeah. there. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, I agree. There's yeah. one quick one as well. I thought you'd been a bit derogatory earlier on, Hugh. With what? You said you hung a TV up in your, um, your basher yeah. in, uh, in Iraq. Yeah. Have you got something against transvestites or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, <laughs> I have not. I enjoy, I, I enjoy my Tuesday nights at the club. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mm. Um, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, no, I was saying. But before I joined, you know, and bef- before I joined up, I was a I was a fucking weak individual. The only thing I had going for me was fitness. That was it. I was yeah. a fit person, and the reason I joined up was really lack of other options. I was, you know, I'd really, uh, same. I had really same. class where I was. Really low self esteem, really low self confidence. Mm-hmm. It was horrendous. When I think back, I think fucking hell. And it took me a good while when I was in to get over that. You know, it, it really it took me up until the first Afghan tour. Yeah, really to get to 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 get over that hurdle as in myself, but within. Um, so it worked for me. I'm, I'm a fucking better person. I like to think. I didn't turn out as a shit soldier either. I like to think, you know. Yeah. And I was not, you know, it's if I, I do think it's a good. Cam- I think it's. I think it's a good camp. I do think it's a good campaign. It's a flipping recruitment issue, and they're just trying to target a, a demographic that they haven't targeted yet. And in general. I think it'd be good for society. You will improve <coughs> it. If, I mean, it, it's like the, the national, uh, the national, uh, what, what's the service, no? national service yeah. argument. That would be great for society. It'd be terrible for the British forces. It'd bring the standard yeah. down. Yeah. Okay. Within the British forces. Absolutely. But for society, it'd be great. It says a 50, 50, so, you know, um, it's the same kind of thing. Get, get them in, get, get the snowflakes in, man them up or I woman th- them up. I think at least 
when I've been advising my daughter how to train for the RAF, physical fitness wise, and uh, I, there's a very, very good American general made a speech on YouTube and he said, start the day by making your bed. And to me, that means everything. Because you make your bed first thing in the morning, it doesn't matter what bad day you've had, when you come back, your bed's made. Now, that's an analogy sort of thing. Yeah. Have you heard of Jordan Peterson? No. Right, mate. Oh, I could put you on to him. Jordan Peterson is, is a clinical... S- clinical psychologist. Yeah, clinical. Yeah. Yeah, clinical, clinical psychologist. Um, he's a Canadian. He's... He, within the last four years, he's gone from no one knowing him to... He is uber famous, right? For the wrong, for right and wrong reasons. Anyway, he did. A, he's done a book. Uh, you, could, you could call it loosely a self-help book. It's not a self-help book. Right? Mm. Depends what you're reading it for, right? It's called Twelve Rules for Life. Each chapter is it's the name of it is a, is, is a rule, but it goes into it in depth. Fucking brilliant, mate. Right? Yeah. And one of them is um, one of the things. One of the headings of the chapters is uh, put your own house in order before you try and fix the world. Yeah. And uh, I. I've 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 had that as a mantra of mine over a few, few periods of time where recently where I was like fucking hell, it's just just fucking mentally having a shit time with it. And it's like it, it it's it's that hundred percent like you're saying, make your fucking bed. Because mm-hmm. make your bed, put it in order. Get get it in order. Make your bed, wash your cup after you've had a brew, you know. Um, yeah. put your washing in. don't if you can square yourself away, you you just you're operating at a higher level. All, all, yeah. it's, there's so many different things to it. I mean, it's, there's there's uh, different forms of discipline, isn't there? I can, when I leave my caravan in the morning where I live, it's cleaned. So when I come back, it's clean when I walk in. There's no way I want to put things to the side. And I've said to all my kids, look at kids, when you go to bed at night, you put your head on the pillow and you think your own thought. You cannot fool yourself. If you think you can fool yourself, you can't because, <laughs> like I say... If you, if you can think you've done a good day that day and you've been good to people and you haven't tried to fool people and impress them with bullshit, only you can think them thoughts. Only you can analyse how you've been that day and for the future. Mm. It's mm. about hard work and a bit of effort. Yeah. You know, effort, reward. Big two words I teach my kids. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a, a, a thought exercise I was doing for a bit when I got, uh, again, as part of this, like, you need to get, yourself out, get your fucking head out of your ass kind of thing. And it was, um, I can't remember where I got it from. Might have been Jordan Peterson, I can't remember where I got it from. But it's, you get in the bed and the last thing you do in the day, yeah. in, in the night is, or one of the last things you do, as you can't guarantee it's going to be the last thing when you're in your bed, is you go through your day and you say, okay, what's one bad thing that happened today? What's one good thing? And you look at it, and a bad thing could be, uh, oh, I, I didn't do this, or I didn't, you know, I, didn't put enough effort into work or a bad thing, and a good thing. And then, you, and it, that's it. You just look, you don't analyze it. You go, that's one bad thing, it's one good thing. But it's in your head then. You know, you've done bad, bad thing, you've done a good thing. It's in your head then for, for the next morning you wake up. Yeah. You sort of subconsciously, okay, I'm, I'm going to, you, you're trying to better yourself. You want to be good again, whatever. It could be anything. It could be fucking, I made my bed, for example. Right. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's, um, it's another one that is uh, another rule of J, J, JPs, I call it. Is uh, stand up straight with your shoulders back. Yeah, the impact on you mentally, as a as a person, and I, I there's some kids I know. I'd wish I, I could say this to them and sort of in a way that they would listen and, and, and understand what I'm saying. I've tried a couple of times to to, to couple, and it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't work. 
if you yeah. there's a difference you change your posture okay you can be the most have the worst confidence in the world you slumped over shoulders you're moping about change your posture stick fucking stick your shoulders back puff your mm-hmm. chest out hold your head up high okay yeah you're still the same person but one people will look at you in a different way and make different assumptions of you and two you will flip and feel better 100 percent, even just slightly it, it changes your aspect yeah. just your posture yeah i mean you know i mentioned earlier i go down on the beach sit in a cave put a fire on with my dogs and it's a different world it's um and there's a quite a good analogy about the electrocardiograph where you've got the ups and downs. If you don't have ups and downs on your electrocardiograph and create an analogy, if your normal day-to-day ups and downs, you'll be flat. And we know what flat line means. Mm. You're dead. Yeah. <laughs> you've got to have the ups, you've got to yeah. have the downs. We all get depressed now and again. Sometimes you can't explain why. But if you're sitting with the four elements, earth, wind, fire and water, with peace... And looking at them waves and hearing them waves and looking at the fire and your two best mates, your dogs next year. I don't know what they think about me, but my two best mates. <laughs> you get sort of a, 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 just a surreal feeling with a little bit of meditative breathing. Mm-hmm. And this guy taught me this who goes into sub-temperature waters. Breathe twice as over the nose from through the nose as what's going into your brain, twice as what's going into your lungs, and then two to suck in from your mouth into your lungs. Do four of them slowly oxygenates you and it refreshes you, mm. invigorates you, mm-hmm. and it's nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why I still walk proper at 64. <laughs> <laughs> the cardiograph's an interesting one. It's like, uh, yeah, peaks and troughs, you've got to have it. You've got you to have variation in life. It keeps you stimulated. Like, problems, are inevitable. problems are inevitable. Yeah. But they're all solvable. They're all solvable. And a, a, big, a big part of it for me... My, my, I, I went from being, uh, as in mentally, I went from being bulletproof. Yeah. You know, complete positive, positive all the time. Every, any situation I saw, whether it was an issue, you know, a problematic situation, I see the positive out of it and, and yeah. where it could go. It just, I naturally did that. I was very lucky. And then uh, over the year, like separation and the house selling at the same time, fucking epic. And then it went not like that. And it's sort of a mix. Um, but... One of the my so to try and get myself into that more positive frame of mind. Mm. One of the things I sort of had to make myself realise again is that uh, the, <coughs> there is no every day happy day, every hour, every second happy. Not. It does not exist. No, there's always going to be a problem, and when you accept that, there's always going to be problems throughout your life till the end. It's always going to be hardships. It's always going to be people fucking dying. You know, if your family, your friends going. Once you accept that kind of stuff, that is the case. Hmm. Okay, then it becomes just a, you're on a journey. Leapfrog the obstacles, get round the obstacles, and just crack on. Because yeah. there's gaps in between, well, it's, it's good crack, you know. And of course. It's, uh, I'm going to go through a, a, the, probably the worst selection in my life when I finish work, because I won't know what to do. <laughs> what from, are you going to do? Apart from one of the highlands with the dogs. But, but you know, it's, it's an unknown factor uh, that's going to be happening to me, because I've been full steam ahead since I was three-year-old, since I can remember. Is it a? But you've got it. Yeah, you've got an interesting brain as well, though. I'll, I'll find something. I'll find something because um, obviously with a partially sighted bit as well, I can't see the stars as well as I used to. <coughs> so I've been buying some equipment to cater for that. But uh, I'll be the wildlife spaceship. You've got a spaceship. Yeah, I just I can move myself around without <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> Is it true, Brian, that you remember Immensa or were? Yeah, I was. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, come on. Just go. Yeah, I joined in 1986. I used to help the Mensa school. I'd given a, an official IQ of 161. Fucking hell. And uh, I used to help at their summer schools. Uh, these beautiful kids, um, bright kids, obviously. Um, some of them felt very isolated. I went to <laughs> Kilroy Silk, if you remember that programme, twice. Yeah. And uh, Oh, I remember Kilroy Silk. Yeah. You went on Kilroy Silk twice. Yeah, for the Mensa Foundation for Gifted Children, which I used to run in North Yorkshire. And uh, it was good to get these kids because some of these kids felt isolated in the classroom. And uh, Were they normal schools? Normal schools, right. yeah. But they were putting far more, a lot more resources into people that near that had special needs and I regarded as these bright kids had special needs as well. Because this country isn't going to get any better by everybody being average. Mm. Simple equation of that. It's being better by utilising the kids that's got a brain and putting them on the right path to the way they want to go. Um, I moved away from North Yorkshire, that's why I, I had to stop doing it. But it was, it was quite a fascinating time in my life. Was that after you got out then? Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was doing RST, um, and I started by doing the Daily Telegraph Mensa quiz for three weeks, sent it in and uh, got invited to a, an official um, Mensa test at Teesside University. Oh, well, that into, how long was that for? How long did that take? It was about two hours, I think. But the, the tests are designed, called the Cattrall tests, I think they were called. So even a child, like in the middle of the Amazon jungle, that can't speak English, yeah. would be able to analyse his IQ purely by certain mathematical equations and, and <gasps> the brain going different sort of ways. So I've always wondered this with yeah. the IQ side of things. Is that, is that um, surely to have a high IQ, you have to have had some level of sort of first world education? But this, No, no. Okay. A lot of it, they reckon, it's just natural. Uh, it's got its disadvantages because I've got, unfortunately, or fortunately in some cases, exceptional memory retention. Uh, and that sometimes doesn't play well when you remember bad things back, because <laughs> mm. you remember them in finer detail than most people. So does you? Well, I think the normal, 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 normal brains, um, not normal, but across the board average, I think is is the, the brain's ability to eliminate the 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 painful elements of an experience or or whole experience. You know, when you when you go and so someone remembers back the London Marathon. Who did it this year? Yeah. Next, they remember it like they asked, like fucking, I was hideous, never doing that again. Next, year they remember it back. They don't remember. You, you don't. You can't remember pain, yeah. as in you can't remember the feeling. You can't mm. remember elation. You can't remember happiness. You know, is that the kind of thing you you, you mean? Yeah, it's um, you, you know, I'll keep mentioning again that bit of meditation down in the cave. Not, I don't sit there on one leg. You know, like the lotus position, like uh, kung fu hui, but. Um, you do cleanse your mind and you think of things you never even think you'd think about. New ideas, things that's happened in the past, come to terms with some of the bad stuff you've done, come to terms with some of the good stuff you've done. It's, uh, it's quite eye-opening. This is, this is, this is what uh, relates to also what you mentioned earlier about the way that the, the generation, well, my kids, so my kids are yeah. what, 10 or 30 in a minute, the, the way they're growing up. Um, in the, the, exactly what we talk about there. The, I mean, I grew up uh, on a farm on my own. Uh, not my own. Fucking on my own. I'm talking about. I have a parent. It's obviously, my daughter, my my sister, could have been my daughter as well. No, my 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 sister, um, who a few years younger than me. We didn't really get on. So I had a lot of time. I, I'm a, I, I can be a deep thinker when I want to be, and that comes from when I grew up. A lot of thinking time. A lot of out, outdoors, cutting about. There was no computers, mate. 
Yeah. There was no yeah. phones. And I don't, I, I think that, uh, I really, I genuinely think that uh, because the onset of the technology we got now, and I'm talking in the home, you know, phones, uh, iPads, all that, you know, flipping blue screen stuff, right? Yeah. I do think that the onset of that has been so rapid, okay? And that, and that, the, that my kids, for example, mm-hmm. are growing up with such, a, it, their, their experience of childhood is night and day difference to what mine was and your was. It is, yep. and that's in the space of a generation, right? Yep. It is, yep. I do think, it, catastrophic may not be the right word, I do think that in 25, 30 years' time, maybe longer, maybe slightly less, when they're <laughs> adults and all the differences in them and the health differences in them, mm-hmm. positive or negative, positive or negative, yep. I do believe most of it's yep. going negative, from things like eyesight to cognitive ability to, to the way they react to people, it's going to be so huge. It's going to be, it'll almost be like... Um, you know, when you have a massive, a massive uh, increase in like suicides after a big conflict, you know, it's going to be, and people go fucking hell, oh my god, it's going to be that quick. I don't well, think people are going to realise this technology thing, due to these algorithms, it's just accelerating too fast. We can't keep pace with it. Simple as that. Well, no, I, we can't evolve quick enough. Evolution takes millions and millions and millions of years. All of a sudden, but you know, here a lot of the stuff I hear on the television, problems with this, problems with obesity, problems with that, it all boils down to the parents. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got fat parents, you'll have fat kids. So, probably, you know, a good parent, and I meet lots of good parents because you usually find them on the beach in remote places. Their kids, for some reason, all look fit. The people are nice to speak to. They've got the balance there. They go down. If my daughter wants some money off me, I'll just say, yep, what do you want? Uh, 20 quid. Go down and sit in the care for an hour. Leave your phone here. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dear, yeah. brilliant. I say, okay, well, well take, I agree with you. I take agree the phone with you, but take it in the cave because there's no internet connection. Oh, falling to bits here. Trauma. Oh, God. Quicker, a couple of satellites are hit by debris in the atmosphere, and we go through a little period of no comms. That'll be good. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm looking no, forward yeah. to that. Yeah, I agree with you, mate. I, I, got, a, I got a cousin who. Um, and I know what your favourite film is. What? Interstellar. How'd you know that? Because I know it. How do you know that? <laughs> what, probably my favourite sci-fi. Yeah, because yeah, Murph yeah. looks a bit like your daughter. Oh, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah a little bit, yeah. My favourite. Do you cry at the end as well? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Fucking brilliant film, mate. Fucking brilliant film. Uh, anyway, uh, I mean, I've got a cousin, right, who um, he, so what, you were talking early 2000s, yeah, 2003, and World of Warcraft, the game, oh, online yeah. game, had, not, had been around for a little bit then. Not, not for, um, yeah, 2003, I reckon. Anyway, he, long story short, he, he, he was immersed in this game. People may be aware of World of Warcraft, fucking hugely immersed in the game. Very, very, very addictive. People have died from uh, malnutrition playing it. Kids have died from malnutrition yeah. playing it, right? Um, he ended up having to go to a psychologist um, to get, to have therapy, mm. right? Because of the impacts of the game, and one of the things was basically it's all it's all to do with screen time, right? It's not yeah, that the game yeah. was crazy like violent or anything. It's a fucking wizards and shit, you know, yeah. potions and that. Um, but it's to do with screen time, you know, in nonstop in front of a screen, right? And one of the problems he had <laughs> was um, one of the like sorry, one of the symptoms he had was 
in conversation, if if you were him mm-hmm. and I was me, you're you're my cousin, and you asked me a question, right? Like, what time is it? Yeah. If I didn't reply instantly, he would fly off the handle. <laughs> I never experienced it. I remember I remember his sister telling me about that was fun. He would fly off the handle because what happens when you click the button on the mouse? Yeah. Instant instant response. What happens when you press the button on the keyboard? Instant response. What happens when you tap your finger on the screen of an iPad? Instant response. Okay, and this we're talking in thousands now. So it's one of those I, I've got mm-hmm. past experience indirectly with it. So you got all all these kids going back to it. It it, it, it we're in for a fucking shock. Oh, absolute have you shock. Have upgraded the Amstrad 64 now, then? <laughs> yeah. I've yeah, still got Greenberry on that. <laughs> I remember that game. That was, yeah. <laughs> that was fucking brilliant, yeah. That was brilliant. And what was the other one? Spectrum ZX. Spectrum ZX? Spectrum ZX? Well, that oh, was a posh one, that. Uh, so what were you like before before you joined that, then? What, was, what were you like as a kid? Uh, pretty much a violent father, living in a very poor mining house, colliery-wise. But... Uh, Privileged to have come up through that because sometimes we'd stay with me nana, sometimes we'd stay with me auntie, sometimes just six in a bed, no central heating. I was the youngest, so I was in the, the tub in front of the fire last. I got dipped in the soup, <laughs> head on the, um, the newspaper to get the nits out and back to bed. But um, luckily enough, I had a good headmaster at junior school and he got me into grammar school. What school did you go to? Peatley Grammar Technical School. Ah, so you, you've been in these parts all your life, then? Oh, yeah, yeah, ah, yeah, okay. till I joined the military and, uh, and went away. What, would you, what age did you join up? 19, because uh, I got told I couldn't join earlier because of a criminal record. But my local recruiting sergeant, a good man he was, uh, when he came back off leave, he got me straight in. That was uh, a good move, good move. Yeah. Couldn't get on the police because I had visible tattoos. <laughs> you can't be a policeman now without tattoos, can uh, you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what, but what, what? So, but you, personality-wise, uh, I was a bit of a thug. I was always fighting, playing football, basketball. I was a very good sportsman. Uh, but we were all like that then. Mm. All us kids, it was just about going out, playing footy till it got dark, going down the woods, having a laugh, having a fight with the next street, and. There was no malice or nastiness involved. There's no people getting knifed or anything. Mm. It was just fisty cuffs. And, but it was like the, the collieries then. Um, self-disciplined. You were scared of policemen. Because if a policeman got all of you and took you back, yeah. you'd get it off your father again. Yeah, And that was called, in my personal opinion, healthy respect. They're just having a laugh now. You can see it on the streets. The gun just taking the piss out of the place. Mm. And it'll be stay that way. Until something changes, which it won't. It won't. It can't change. No, it can't change. No, it's it's a whole problem with the, again the the, the 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 sort of the snowflake, not the snow, not the snow. That why this, you know, that this whole snowflake thing's come about. Um, the political political correctness. Uh, you can't mollycoddle everyone. You can't do it. If you try, if you take away all the ba- all the bad influences on 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 people, which you can't do anyway. Well, there's no learning experiences. Mm. If everything's positive. No one, you don't grow as a human being. You don't grow as a society. Yeah. You don't grow as a culture. Yeah. I, I think you gotta have it. You gotta have our chips. Um, it's uh, it's one of. The, I mean, uh, we, conflict is in our nature. Yeah, it's in our nature. It yeah, you can't. Never going to stop war unless you. Well, you're never going to stop it. Never. It's like let's. You know, you can hypothesize. Well, let's get rid of well, tribalism is a problem. Let's get rid of all the countries. Let's have a. Uh, um, universal basic income for everyone. Let's let's say we we hypothetically are able to everyone can have the same amount of food. Basically, everyone's got all the same shit. Yeah. 
someone will find a fucking reason to get pissed off and go on and get angry at someone else because because yeah. um, my country's hot on your country. It's nice to live in yours or well, not country, my area. And all of a sudden, this all goes through all again. We didn't start off with countries. You know, we were, like you're saying, we're all, well, maybe not. We're all a bunch of races, some of us from... Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Kennedy was slotted by Lyndon B. Johnson with J. Edgar Hoover, so they start the Vietnamese War. <coughs> so they'd sell lots of munitions. To start it. Yeah, Lyndon B. Johnson. But if you read that war, I mean, that was disgusting. They're a very, very nice race of people. And you cannot defeat a people that have nothing to lose. Mm. And they... You know, they all portrayed them as the evil little sort of um, slant-eyed Vietnamese who are very peaceful people, mm-hmm. uh, subjugated to the point of uh, nothing left to lose. That's, uh, that, that, side of the, that side of the world is fascinating to me. That, uh, that I was going to say race, that, the, that part of the human race. Yeah. Those, you know, Japan, Vietnam, Cambodia, to, sort of well, Far East Asia, you know? They're... Uh, did you know that Japan, by 2022, I think it is, over 40% of their population will be elderly? They're the oldest mm. population in the world. How are they? How? What are they, how, what are they doing that we're not? Fish food, a, yeah. pint, a pint of water first thing in the morning. Yeah, That's respecting standard. their elders, cutting about, really active. Well, I hope they go to... Hunting rat- whales. I hope they go to ratchet because they're going to start killing whales again for no reason at all. Yeah, well, what is... What is be- I don't know much about it. Tell me about it. I saw it in the news. They've decided there. to go uh, pull out with the international whaling ban. What, what's the benefit to them for the whales? Of, Nothing. Whales. They like the taste. The mink whales are usually go to catch. Got, so they've got their 12 mile of their water and 200 miles beyond that where they're just going to start slaughtering them again for food. The last bullshit was scientific research. <coughs> this one is. We don't agree if they're going to start hunting whales again. There must be quite a big, big, some big need there, though, not just taste yeah. for them to do that. You don't think so? <coughs> Tell me why you can't replicate something that's in a whale. <coughs> Pardon me. Right. I don't know, can you? No, it's a taste. They, 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 they were quite open about it. You know? Mm, surprising, isn't it? It did surprise me because I, 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 I'm very fond of the, the, the discipline and the, the, race, the Japanese race itself, how they conduct themselves uh, and the discipline involved yeah. that they have. Yeah. I've been there. Have you been out there yet? I have been there. I've not yeah. been, I'm, I want to go out. I've never yeah. been. It wasn't a nice place called Osaka. Uh, I've heard of Osaka. Very industrial. And uh, we, it was the 6th of August and uh, nobody would let us in the taxis. And I found out later it was because it was the anniversary of Hiroshima and they thought we were Americans. Oh, okay, no. <laughs> oh mate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so on a serious note, what, yeah. what do you, uh, what do you want, how much thought have you given to when you retire? What are you going to do? Uh, bit at a time. I'm, I'm, we're only running the course once every month, uh, once every two months this year. So I can gradually wind down, if we can call it that. Yeah. And then uh, Nick, who's coming on, he'll be taking over. And we've got... Who, who, who's coming on? Nick. Nick um, McCarthy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I'll probably still be popping back, but I don't want to be in there every day doing the admin, doing the admin all the time. Away on holiday, checking my emails every day. It might go wrong. It might not go wrong. I don't know. But that's what I'm going to do. I've got places I want to see. Mm-hmm. All around the northwest of 
this beautiful British Isles. Are you planning to go overseas at all? No, I don't want to go overseas again. Really? Can't take my dogs, I ain't going anywhere. Uh, do you sail? I've sailed, yeah. I've got skipper's tickets in the Powerland yacht. Uh. But I couldn't get the dogs on, obviously. They need the, um, the stretch. They need what? They need a stretch and they need a poo. Oh, right. So I was sitting uh, around the UK, yeah, yeah, which yeah, was yeah, one of my yeah. ideas. Yeah. It wouldn't suit them. They'd probably be dog sick or something as well. Yeah. Yeah. But retirement, we'll see. There's a few charities I might want to get involved with, especially to do with animals, um, which is my favourite topic. Have you, still got, have you still got the parrot? No. Uh, she told me to fuck off. Literally? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, she was losing feathers. When they're losing feathers, the boar, despite the fact she had the whole run of the house. My friend has a place called Tweddle Farm, very near me. They had another three parrots there. So I gave it her to him. Yeah. Sure, she's in it. She's in it. Oh, that's good. Um, Do you see her? Other parrots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I pop down now and again, but I don't want to, just in case, because they were apparently the second most intelligent animal on the planet. Remember you saying, Who's the, what's the first? Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's not from Sun. Oops, sorry. <laughs> um, so she's integrated in with the, with the other parrots down there and yeah. she's stimulated although I didn't want to say I fought the bits for um, a cosmetic reason of mine yeah. Yeah. but yeah. she learned Toon Army very quickly it's good, good of her she learned what? the Toon Army Toon, Toon a Toon Army, Army Toon. you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah mate um, what happened to the um... oh no never mind that question I know what happened Uh what else are we going to talk about? There's something else we're going to bring up. I think we did it. Mm. We did. We did Brexit. Yeah. We did women on the front line. Yep. Did you? In fact, going back to that, because I, I I I work with women on the front line in different capacities. It really had an issue. Apart, well, there was, was a couple of times where fitness was an issue, and they slowed yep. the patrol down, come back in, crossing up grounds, things like that. But that was down to their fitness levels were lower than. Yeah. The standards they had to be at were lower than what the inventory mm. was. But you shouldn't really fucking put the inventory there, mate. Um, did you, during your time, did you have a, do you do a lot of work with, with women or not? Uh, when I spent a bit of time in Northern Ireland, yeah. uh, they ran a selection process for women to work undercover. Uh, and we had some uh, two girls with us who were very, very good. But at the end of the day, they weren't going to be trapping over the hills or anything, doing all peas. They're going to be doing um, surveillance against terrorists in the vehicles. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a man and a woman looks a lot more natural than a man by himself. Um, so, yes, and they were very competent pistol-wise as well, mm-hmm. uh, weapons-wise. So I had nothing but admiration for called Jane and Rusty, the first two that came through. Great two kids who were and very capable and very competent. Mm. Is that the only time? Hmm? Is that the only time? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've worked when I was flying commercially with female uh, captains, female pilots. Very capable. I'm work- yeah, fucking hell. I mean, that's, that is what I was going to talk about. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's like, there's myths around you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, le- the leg end. <laughs> well, no, the commercial pilot one, obviously that's true. Yeah. So, you got, so you got out, right? You did, you did Kilroy. <laughs> I got out. Then what did you do? I got out. I was a manager of a refrigeration factory, debt collecting in Toxteth in Liverpool. It was great. Debt collecting? Yeah. yeah. And then I went into cost <laughs> protection uh, with Sheikh Yamani, Saudi oil minister. Mm-hmm. Very, uh, the plum job on the circuit at the time. 
Uh, my wife died while I was working for him. Uh, knocked me back a bit, obviously. Mm. Uh, and then when the time was right, I left his... Because um, I got married again, I didn't want to be away. I left there and uh, joined North Yorkshire Fire Brigade. I was in that for two years at York. And then my father-in-law, who had a jet, said, if you pass your commercial pilot's licence, you can fly the jet. <laughs> so I spent 15 months at Oxford getting my commercial oblique IR tickets to fly his jet, 55,000 quid later. Fucking hell. And he sold it about a month before I finished the course. <laughs> so I used to fly the heart team around Europe, picking bits of hearts and lungs and bits of stuff up. Really? That was a buzz. Yeah, was what a was buzz. the fire brigade like? Uh, I was disappointed. Uh, why is that? Um, because the standards I thought would be higher. I didn't. You could go in there and have two pints of beer while you're on duty, which there's no way in the world I was going to drink while I was a firefighter. That's old school. And I used to lie on top of my bunk, fully clothed, ready for the um, the shout to come. And I'd be in that fire engine, uh, fully clothed, waiting for at least a minute and a half till people got out of bed in the underpants, got the clothes on. Mm. And we had a particular <coughs> incident where we got the shout on RTA. We're driving down the road. We've seen a car about half a mile ahead. We just sort of saw it go into flicker flames, got there, and the lad was dead. And then we, we came back. Everybody was getting ready for bed. I said, we're not having a debrief. About what? And then I just lost my temper a little bit, which I never do. About if you'd been on that fucking appliance the same time as me, that kid would be alive. And you wouldn't be so fucking blase if it was a little kitty in a burning house, would you? Mm. So I decided to leave there and then. Mm. That's, that's a fair one. I, I, mm, I wonder what, if it's changed at all. Don't know. So, uh, so, yeah, moving swiftly on then. Um, you're flying the heart team round. Who, yeah. who, so was that, what, NHS? Was, NH, was there NHS back then? No, they used to hire private airplanes for this little firm I was working for from Teesside. Um, we'd say, get, get a call, can you pick the, t- the heart team up from the Freeman at Newcastle yeah. and fly to such and such. Like a, it's like a transplant thing? Yeah. Oh. yeah. So they'd go over, you know, they'd go over and either take the organs from the body and bring yeah. them back because the Freeman at Newcastle used to be the major heart surgery oh. in the country. And uh, bring them back in, obviously, casks and refrigerated uh, and then do the, the transplant. So And then sometimes I'd fly oil riggers to Norway. It was, it was varied little bits. It's for a private firm? Yeah, yeah. What, what was the training like? What, how long was the training take to be a commercial pilot? In it? it was 13 months, extremely intense, six days a week. Very hard course. And you can fail it, I take it? Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, apart from obvious like physical limitations, like, like shit eyesight and, yeah. and stuff, what, on the mental side, what... How do they test you? Well, there's about 19 different exams to do with aeronautics, climatology, all sorts of stuff, and the practical flying bit. And if you fly by instruments where you've got a mask on <laughs> and you only see three little panels, it's called limited panel flying, then uh, you really are tested with the limit discipline-wise. So they, 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 they block out the view of all the other panels. What, what are the three? Are altitude, cloud, take it. Yeah. Altitude, what else do you have? Direction. Yeah, and... you've got your artificial horizon indicator. Yeah. You've got your slip and turn coordinator. What's that? Are the, way, the, the orientation the of the wings plane? are level or not level. Yeah. And then you've got your altimeter. And what have you got to do when you're on that? Just You've got to land? Combination. You, you come down to about 200 feet, which is what's called minimus. If you can't see your runway by about 200 feet, it's different at different runways. 
then you've got to go around again. So they would lift the mask up at 200 feet and all of a sudden there's a runway just about oh to land. <laughs> <laughs> but because of my previous training, I don't panic. Yeah. And you've got to not panic. Yeah. Because they say aviate, communicate. Sorry, aviate, navigate, communicate. Yeah. And that's the basics of fly it. See where you're at then. Then talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Don't do any other combination. You'll go in. Yeah. How long did you do that for, the flying? Uh, about a year and a half, and I got bored. <laughs> I still flew private. I used to fly private. I had shares in three little aircraft. When, when did you finish flying? Uh, 94, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. What did you do after that, then? Uh, after you set my after own business up. Oh, is it, this is... Yeah, Argus Investigations, and then developed <sighs> into Argus Europe. This is Argus Investigations to start with, then? Yeah. Right, okay, I didn't realise it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah 94, yeah. Right, yeah, I remember that from the brief. Yeah, fucking hell. Were you just a one-man band then? Yeah. And it was... A couple of friends who were lawyers, and that's how I started the trail of... Bah, bah, bah. Oh, so they, they, you get the business through them? Yeah. Well, yeah. I ended up having nine, nine guys working for about five years, three teams out every day, just doing surveillance, mainly med- medical litigation. Yeah. And it's good for the brain. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Right, it's not a fucking easy job. It's not an easy no. job, mate, is it? No. I, I, it's one of the things when I did, when I did the course, I, uh, I was lucky enough to land a job uh, at the circuit. Um, but surveillance sort of, sort of appealed to me when, when, I, when I was sort of into that world, that world of security surveillance after I done the course. Yeah. But I quickly realised, well, one, I didn't have the cash to put the outlay on for the kit anyway, but I quickly realised... This is not fucking easy. No. <laughs> it's got to be one of the toughest jobs, one of yeah. the toughest jobs out there. I don't think people realise it's flipping hardcore. One of the toughest jobs to do professionally, yeah. I think, you know. Um, uh, patience. Patience is the big patience, one. Patience, mental discipline. Yeah. Uh, you've got to be thinking quick, you've got to be thinking what happens if, you've got to be thinking way ahead of the game. Yeah. Which is what I like, is stimulating. Yeah. Uh, and stimulating when we used to do it over the water was getting the end result, which is slightly different than the end result these yeah, what we do yeah, over here. Yeah. So it's a lot of the stuff. So a lot of the course. That's obviously a. This is the what's the word? The structure of it, the curriculum, if you like. That's obviously in line with um, module-wise, in line with what's required by the SIA. SIA. But technique-wise, is a lot of that f- from your own experience when you were yes. doing that stuff. Yeah. Because that was, some, you didn't get to take chances out there, you know. How was it developed back then, the, the, the techniques? Because it was relatively new, right? Relatively yeah, new. Guys operating. on the ground making mistakes and formulating and thinking, all, all pretty, you know, without blowing smoke up our own bombs here, we're all pretty fast thinking guys. Mm. I could think through, you know, all, it was all cross uh, military, you know, Paris Marines, all, all sorts of the army, and we'd all put our heads around problems. Mm. And we'd solve the problems. And a lot of the technology today came from them problems we solved. Secure comms, trackers, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, we were at the front edge of all, of all that, and it was a very stimulating time. Yeah. Because at that time, we had the backing of the government. Not the case now? Nope. Oh, really? Yeah. They'll mm. sell you salt the devil, man, wouldn't they? Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. I think there's an interesting fact where nearly all them top European leaders... Have no children. So, really? Yeah. Check, check that fact out. How many of the top European leaders have children? Is that not down to a? Um, is that down to just a, a, a personal choice? Career, want to excel, I, and the best may well be. It may well be, but I would sort of suggest. Well, who are they thinking ahead for for the future? Ah, 
I see. That was my point on it. I see, yeah. 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 Macron hasn't. Yeah. May hasn't. Merkel hasn't. I think it's about another three or four of them. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. Mm. I, yeah, I didn't realise that. It's a good point. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was listening to um, the news earlier about the, the, uh, the new Brazilian Prime Minister. Oh, yeah, the right winger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking madman, madman! Uh, the, the, uh, I, he declared himself as a proud homophobe. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "If he said if uh, I'm la- it's not la- like I'm laughing because the audacity of it in this day and age, you know." He said, "Places like that." What did he say? He said, "If I saw two men kissing the street, I'd go over and uh, I, 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 I physically assault them or something." <laughs> Words to that effect. Oh, like, just oh, like hearing the feminists and the, um, the LGBTs arguing. Oh, I just, I love that. The feminists just say, look, mm. you've got a dick. You're a bloke. End of story. I don't care what you think, you're thinking about. Mm. <laughs> That's it, as simple as that, physiology-wise. And uh, it just makes me laugh. What do you think about um, the idea that gender is a social construct? Well, you know, males and females are equal in all sorts of different work, different jobs, different thoughts, as bright as us, as good as us but there's certain tasks that they can't fulfil. Mm-hmm. It's gone a bit too far now. Of got to have everything, everything and more, everything I, and more. I think it's gone, I think it's gone, it's gone, I think it's, it's going to come, it, it's gone that far, it's just ridiculous now. I think it'll, it'll, it'll reset itself, yeah, because it can't go no, anywhere, there's no. nowhere for it to go. It's so, it's, because it's an impossible thing they're trying to, trying to, fit, trying to, trying to implement. Now, mm. it, it, equality across the board, okay, so... And I'm all for women getting equal shot. Uh, no, I'm all for women not being discriminated against. Yeah, right? of course. Just for being a woman, all right? However, I'm all for, well, if the job says you've got to, like, carry £55 across 60 miles or whatever, then, and you can't do that, then no. Oh, you happen to be a woman? Well, you didn't pass the fucking test, right? But um, uh, where the fuck was I going with that, then? It, uh, makes, it makes you feel like I'm a white male here. I, should be, I might as well not exist here. Yeah, yeah, mate. It's, I mean, it's that... You don't, have you watched? Have you watched the new Doctor Who? I am. No. <laughs> you don't hear about um, uh, uh, an uproar because that uh, because men are over represented overrepresented in construction, for example. You don't. You, no. you, you don't, dear. Yeah, yeah, well, hang yeah. on a minute. Well, let's get fifty-fifty. Why not? Because it's fucking labour intensive. It's very physical, and it's majority suited to men. Because in general. We are more physically capable. In general, yes, there are some women out there who will kick my fucking ass, right? You know, there's some women out there who is, who is great fighters of some of their, you know, MMA mm. male fighters, for example. But at the same time, we don't hear men kicking off that are women over, over-represented, overrepresented in childcare because women are fucking better at it. Yeah. Because we ain't the same. Because it's in women's inherent nature. They they are the babies. They're the mothers. You know, it's yeah. it's just one. It, it it's gone. Church, it, it went to a level. Was like I understand. That's good. Church, now it's gone for yeah, men. Churchill quoted, "The best investment in this country is mother's milk." Now, if anybody can tell me a better occupation for a mother to bring a child up in a house and educate her myself, I don't think there's a, an argument against that. Mm-hmm. You no, know? No, 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 I agree. I agree. That's that's the way it is, in well, my opinion. One of the uh, one of the arguments, uh, one of the, sorry, one of the discussion points we say as well with that is that uh, is um, that you have you have you, know, you have a, a husband and wife, and they both want to succeed, but the the woman is expected to 
look after the child, be at home, and and so her career's limited, and she can, you know, and uh, or career, you know, yeah, career potential's limited, and blah 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 blah, and that's blamed on sort of the culture, but I, I, the male female culture, and, and the men we expect to go and do things. But I've been thinking about it, and in this day and age, that's that I think that's down to the individual. It, that's down to the relationship between the husband and wife. It should be a, the wife should be, look. I want a career too. We need to fucking iron this out. So we're doing 50-50 on the child, by the way. Yeah. Not, you know, the, the excuse that it's the man's fault she feels depressed, but she'd never been told you're staying at home. You pipe up, pipe up, and go out and say, I'm not happy with this. Can we have a discussion, please? You know, it's, it's, that, yeah. it's, a, it's a, the baseline level. It's not always a blame for everything. It's fine to realise the blame's on yourself sometimes. The blame's on yourself sometimes. You know, you have this attitude. Everyone else, it's a classic. <laughs> everyone else snowflake, LGBT sometimes. Everyone else to blame. Not as sometimes you've got to do it yourself. I would love to have brought my kids up if my partner would go out and work. I would love loved it, mm. but that wasn't the situation. Mm-hmm. Simple as. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, let's start wrapping it up. Uh, anything you want to mention? Uh, no, it's been an absolute privilege. Uh, I don't get the chance to speak um, as open as this about different topics where I can get. Um, I regard it. Um, a good intelligent professional response. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I, I didn't. Mate, I honestly flipping nearly fell off my chair when uh, when when you said yes to coming on. Uh, partly because your background, I you know, and, and uh, uh, I'm really happy because you're probably the most intelligent person I know. I respect you a lot, yeah. you know, um, and you're a friend. You're a friend. So uh, thank you for coming I on. I mean, mate. I'm at the edge now where I'm going to be. I'm doing things now I've never done before. I'm even bringing my veterans discount card out and saying, "Excuse me, do you discount for veterans?" <laughs> I would never have been—I would have been embarrassed to do that before. And I'm telling things I haven't told. I'm still very closely guarded, and things are still going to be happening potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's about time people started speaking up about various topics that are very important, especially if you've been in the military, about how our military, ex-military, are being treated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's disgraceful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's enough people kicking up a fuss about it. I hope it'll change. Yeah. I had Johnny Mercer on the MP, who's an ex uh, ex two nine commando. Oh yes, yeah. yeah I like uh, him. F- what a fucking good guy. Is he mate. pool MP or something somewhere down there? He's pool uh, Plymouth. 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 Yeah. What yeah. a good guy, right? And, yeah. and uh, I think so. I mean, I'm very skeptical of politicians anyway. Of course. Uh, it's it's yeah. just it's by design. It is a it is a a system but to succeed. You have to bullshit. You do. This is what it mm. is, right? But I can. I, but at the same time, I firmly believe that people go into it with honest intentions and keep those honest intentions. But as part of that, you have to be dishonest, right? I'm not yeah. saying. I'm not. Yeah. Hey, I'm not saying Johnny's fucking dishonest. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, he was a cla- He came on. He feels very strongly about it. He didn't. What he did not do beforehand, or I did not get from his office is what questions are you going to ask? And you can't talk about this, isn't this? Nothing. Came on like you and I are doing. Which, yeah. which first off, I thought, that's it, tick in the box. Good guy. I mean, I'm not Labour or Conservative, I'm fucking, I'm yeah, nothing. Right? I'm not. But um, I, I think enough of our fuss has been kicked up. Hmm. That is the forward progress we made, but it's just taking fucking ages, mate. It's well, the only man with honest intention ever to go in the house upon, as we know, is Guy Fawkes. <laughs> <laughs> right, Argus Europe. Uh, ArgusEurope.co.uk, correct? Yep. You're on all the social media. Uh, say the services you do for Argus, mate. You do uh, so. You do surveillance. You provide security. You provide surveillance. Yep, we do the medical, private investigation, advanced surveillance, and the close protection level three. They're the courses. Yeah, all in one package of nineteen days. Uh, but then, on, uh, as well as that, 
Yeah. The services the company provide corporate services, commercial services. Yes, we do. Yeah. Private investigation. Private investigation. Close protection security. Yeah. Do you do pen testing? Um, We're going to be starting it very, very shortly. Because we've got a very, as you know, a very intricate network of people. We can call on lots of people that have different skills all around the world. That's come through the course. We still keep in touch with each other very closely. And it's a very, very good network of passing int mm. as well as giving people work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is, yeah. It is. I, I, I can't say it. I always... Yeah. It, one of those, uh, it's one of those things with, um, the, with close protection and surveillance training. You'll go to the forums online and people will go on and everyone is naturally going to say, yeah, the person I trained, the company I trained was fucking amazing. And I'm fully aware of that. And so I always pipe up, ah, oh, because you're, you know, fucking brilliant. And I do think that. But... Um, one of the things with Argus is, from a training perspective, is that I've not seen or heard anyone else mention about other schools in the way it is with Argus, is the after-course support. I mean, yeah. um, uh, in that, oh, you, that network you're talking about, yeah. just muckers, muckers, and the attitude you have. You know, even other, other guys that have, got, have done your course, gone and done, been successful in surveillance, course protection, and they set up their own companies. And yeah. you guys have got that attitude where, you and Nick, that attitude where... Well, help each other out all at one purpose. Course, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's very refreshing. That, everybody everybody gets on. We yeah. help people. Uh, there's a thing called greed, isn't there? <laughs> Difference between uh, want and need is greed. We're not. We help people out, and that's a feel good factor mm. as well. Mm. Could have made more money out of it, but what's the point? Mm. You know. Mm-hmm. But uh, we like everybody again. It comes back round in circles. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, right. Well, hopefully I'll see you again later this year. Well, if you're down don't... the cave later on here, well, uh, I'll have the fire on. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to point with Nick. <laughs> mate, good luck with retirement. I appreciate yeah. it. Cheers, much as much as gracias, mate. Cheers, All the best. Thank you, people. That's it for the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it today. Um, don't forget, if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on whatever you listen to on iTunes, Spotify. I think you can leave uh, reviews on Spotify, can you? YouTube, wherever. Leave me a review. Leave the podcast a review. It does help out massively. But you can also support it by going and becoming a patron of the podcast. Uh, so go on the website, charliecharlie1.com, hit become a patron and, and sign up with patreon.com. Um, that is another way of supporting the podcast and keeping me doing what I'm doing, which is, um, I like to think it's helping a lot of people. It helps me, so it only helps me and stuff everyone else. <laughs> Thank you to the sponsors. Again, Team Rubicon UK, out in Indonesia at the minute, helping out with that additional tsunami that hit the float on Christmas Day. TeamRubiconUK.org. Uh, Westway Nissan, who've got discounts on in the new year through January, and don't forget they offer up to 20% discount for Armed Forces personnel. WestwayNissan.co.uk. And lastly, Rugby for Heroes. RugbyforHeroes.org. RugbyForHeroes.org. Also raising money for charity through the events that they organise. Next one's in 2019. It is 2019. May, April. When is it? May or April? April. It is, uh, let me just check. No, May. Yeah, 10th and 11th of May, 2019. Beer and Gin Festival at the Lemon Tony's Rugby Football Club. I will see you there. Until the next time. Out.